The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and hosts. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Oh, hey there. Welcome to another fun, exciting, action-packed edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Podcast. How the fuck are you guys? I hope you are doing well. This episode, I have a former cop from the St. Louis area. Some season one vibes here. Lots of anger, lots of hate, lots of bitterness. And that's okay. Because it's, uh, I think it's well-deserved in some parts of the country. So we hear his story, what he's doing now, and he talks about you know the things that happened over his career. Good conversation, good dude. I think you guys will enjoy it. But before we get into the podcast, big, awesome, huge thanks to our good friends over at officerprivacy.com. I could not make these podcasts without their assistance, so go check them out. I've mentioned it before, but I am a paying customer of Officer Privacy. It's important to me, and I think it's important to a lot of you. You don't want work following you home. And they talk about in the academy, hey, don't let people follow you home, change your routes, stuff like that. Well, that can still happen, but there's simpler routes for these shit bags to get your information. There's all these people search sites and it's so, so easy for people to find out a ton of stuff about you, family members, where you live, phone numbers, all kinds of stuff. What officer privacy does is they go through those people search sites and they purge you from them. They take care of it. Now, this is something that you can do. Here's the problem. There's so many of these sites. The instructions are confusing. They take you off the site, and then you get put back on. It's it's a hassle. I remember when I was on the job, there was an email telling us how to get off of one site, and it was a, a train wreck. And I took myself off that, and then I was back on in a matter of weeks. What I like about officer privacy, they have a do-it-yourself option where they give you the tools, they tell you how to do it, and you can go through and do it yourself. Or what I do, what I prefer to do is the premium service. They take care of it. I filled out a simple form. They go through and remove me from these people search sites, and then they monitor the sites. I don't have to worry about it at all. That's what they do. It's not a stress on me anymore, so I don't have to worry about the peaceful yet fiery protesters coming to my door. I highly encourage you to check them out. That's my good friends over at officerprivacy.com. All right. Well, let's get into the podcast, and let's play a little bit of music by, I don't know, how about some... And we'll be right back with the podcast. Tell you taking your flight back home. We only hop a one day because all the others work no play. Let's hit the road. 
now joining the podcast, a jaded, angry man. I have Austin. <laughs> How are you, buddy? I'm good, buddy. How are you, man? I am just living a dream. You know what? Let's just lead out with that. You painted a good picture of me so I, far, I so painted, this is going well. You it's know, because well. <laughs> before we hit record, you're kind of telling me some stuff, and you know, you mentioned you were jaded, and let's just start right fucking there. Okay. Why? Like, and I'm. I just want to preface that I am pretty fucking jaded myself. Why are you jaded? What are the things that happened to you? And I guess this could go on forever. So this might be like a four hour explanation, but yeah. g- give me the, the highlights. Why are you such a jaded, angry man? Man, I think, uh, you know, I can kind of boil it down to this. I think if you've spent any, if I think if you spent any length of time in police work, especially today, I did, uh, I did almost 15 years in police work. Um, I think you're jaded. And if you say you're not, you're a fucking liar. And that that is that is 100% the truth. Um, I've worked with guys that have worn their emotions on their sleeves and they're real and I respect that. And I've worked with other guys that think police work is the, the best job on the planet and it can't get any better. And if they could do it for free, that they would. And that it just couldn't be any more, uh, you know, any faker to me. So, um, you know, what... With that said, I am jaded with it. Um, I have obviously I have very close friends. I am out now. Um, I have very close friends that are, you know, still in the the police department, family and friends, and I love them very much and I support them and everything. But um, you know, this is something we can get into down the road. But I um, I, I do push to try to get them out. Um, a, a lot of people don't appreciate that that I do that. They don't like that. Um, but. It's, it's just something I'm passionate about. I've gotten a few people out. Um, I've got them jobs elsewhere. I've got them jobs where I work now and it has changed their life. It's changed my life. Getting out of police work has been the absolute best move I've ever made in my life for me and my family. So uh, it is true. I'm jaded and I'm angry about that, that past, you know, that, that, that portion of my life, but um, I, I'm doing so well now. I, I, I'm so happy with the way things are going in my life and, that I was able to get away from all that and kind of put it behind me. And, you know, again, some people don't understand that, especially cops that are still in, they don't, oh, how could you not love this? Wasn't this your passion? Wasn't this? Yeah, it was when I was, you know, 22 years old and I'm almost 38 now and it's not. So let's, we'll go, we'll go to the beginning in just a second, sure. but the most yeah. important question I have for you right now, mm-hmm. what are you having a drink tonight? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to really put myself out there. Okay. And I'm going to defend myself and I'm going to say that I was in a rush and I was grabbing something out of the fridge real quick and I've got high noons. Okay. A what? So a what? I've got uh, high noons. I don't even know. What is a high noon? Oh, don't you don't know, know what, what high. Is. Oh, you don't know what high noon is. I, is that one of those high... vodka seltzers? Yes. It's a vodka seltzer. <laughs> I'm sipping on those right now. Yeah. <laughs> Are they just, good? It, I mean, I've, she, I've never tried one. Is it good? No, man, they're really good. You know what? I'm not a huge vodka person, but uh, these are pretty good. Um, you know, it's better than sucking down a beer or something right now, you know, before, you know, you go to bed. But um, I do. I, I know you were talking about bourbon in the last podcast. I love bourbon. I have a lot of bourbon. I should have poured myself one. It's been really hot here lately. So uh, bourbon sitting on my stomach right now didn't sound too good. So I grabbed one of the cold high noons out of the fridge. Um these are mixed with vodka, but they actually have one now. Uh, it's it's soda mixed with tequila, uh, and I love tequila, and those are delicious. Those are amazing. Well, you know what they say about tequila? It makes her clothes fall off. Mm-hmm. How do you know mine aren't off already? 
the video isn't going, so we don't we don't hey, know that. Yet. You know what? You could <laughs> you could have stripped down right as soon as you turn the video off. So That's exactly what I did. I, I'm out of curiosity. So yeah, are you still what? Just so everybody knows, he he yeah. worked in St. Louis County as a cop, which I want to talk about that because there's yeah. I'm sure there's fucking millions of stories about that. Are mm-hmm. you still in that area, or did you move away? So um, I I'm I'm about. I would say about 30 minutes out of St. Louis city. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of out in a more of a rural area now, which is nice. Um, that's another thing police work kind of did for me is I, I wanted to get a, as far away from the people I had to work around. I wanted to get as far away from them as possible that, that I, that I could, I, I actually live in like two counties over, um, okay. and, and, a, and a kind of a rural area, um, so it's, yeah, that's something I did when I was still a cop and, you know, I, I, I love where I live now and it's, it's nice. So I don't have to run into it. Those are, those are other stories too. You know, I've, I've, I've had scary run-ins with people that I've had to deal with uh, on the street uh, when I was living closer to, closer to the city where I was working. Um, so that, I never wanted that to happen again. So. So why did you get into law enforcement all those years ago? What was your drive for that? So. Uh, my father was, uh, I grew up in California actually. Um, and my father was a, uh, a police officer out there and I, I adore my father. Uh, he's still with us. He's, he's not, he's not past, uh, but my father was a cop in California and I idolized him. Um, so, uh, a little bit more about me. I actually joined the army when I was 17. I was still in high school. Uh, I went to basic training, uh, after my, uh, junior year of high school and then i came back for my senior year and then i went to my uh uh my my job training for the army um down in texas uh i was i was deployed in in 05 and 06 i was in iraq uh i came home from that and i actually got a job uh for a little bit as a security guard at a hospital which kind of opened my eyes and at that point i i was like you know I was in the army. I was, I was an MP in the army military police. Uh, I did that kind of stuff in Iraq and I came home like, man, I think that's, I didn't have a college degree or anything. I'm like, man, I think that's kind of the only thing that would really transfer. You know, my dad did it. It's in the family and it's, it's something I want to do. So um, at that time I was living in Florida when I was in the army and uh, I had family here in St. Louis and my cousin was dating a police officer at the time. And I would come out here to St. Louis and I'd visit family and I'd visit my cousin and, and her boyfriend and stay with him for a little bit. And he he said to me one day, he goes, you know, are you interested in, in, you know, would you be interested in being like a cop out here? At that time, I was actually going through the process uh, with the, uh, the troopers in Florida. And I was actually finishing the process. And he said, I could I could get you uh, into the academy out here. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I, that sounds good. A change of pace, you know, from where I'm living now, come out here to St. Louis. I think that'd be a good idea. So um, I was able to convince my wife at the time to move out here. I went to the academy. Um, it was kind of a good deal. St. Louis County, they, they actually hired me and then paid, paid for my police academy. And they paid me while I was in the academy. Oh, and nice. then uh, obviously they guaranteed me a spot to, you know, uh, at one of the precincts after that. So as long as I passed the academy. And, uh, that's, that's kind of how I ended up here, man. I mean, not, 
not to be a dick, but man, Florida Troopers probably would have been a little bit better than St. Louis County. Dude, I think about it all the time and I'm like, man, what would my life be like? But you know, you know, I I have very close friends that are troopers and it's I'm not a trooper, but I feel like it's almost kind of like the feds, you know what I mean? Like they they move you around. So one minute, you know, you could be over here and you got a house and everything's going well. And they're like, hey, you want to get promoted or you want to uh, you know, you want to go here, or go there. Well, you're going to have to move. And, you know, then you just got to pack up and move. And that's, that's not something I was interested in doing. You know, I, I, I was new to St. Louis at the time. This was in 2008. Um, and I, I didn't want to uproot myself from, from the family, the little family that I did have here and end up moving somewhere else and, and stuff. So that's why, that's how I kind of got off of the trooper thing. I was like, man, that's, that's just probably not the right move for me. Plus, they're always on the highways and uh, I hate the highways. So <laughs> fair enough. So I, I just right off the bat, I have this impression of St. Louis being a fucking terrible shithole. Is that true? And was that yes. true back then? Yes, that, that is true. Um, no, I say anyone listening to this, that's going to listen back to this. It's from St. Louis. They're gonna be, How could you, but we joke about it all the time here in St. Louis. It's true, man. There's, you know what the shame is, is the city is so old. It's got so much history. It's got some of the most beautiful architecture that you'll ever see. Uh, beautiful old cathedrals, churches, buildings, really cool. Obviously, uh, you know, Anheuser-Busch is here, got deep roots here. Um, you know, just really cool old buildings and parks and everything. But, you know, it, it's kind of a running running joke here that you just, you know, you stay away from the city, you know, Um which sucks. I, I I enjoy sports. So, you know, we try to, I, t- I take my son to the Cardinals games. You know, we, we try to go to the hockey games, see the blues and stuff like that. And it's just, man, you got to take Ubers down there. Uh, you know, we're one of the carjacking capitals of the United States. There's more carjackings here in St. Louis than, than anywhere else in this country. I promise you that. So you just, you really got to keep your head on a swivel. You open up the news every day. It's how many kids have been shot how many people have been shot, six more shot up north, you know, this and that. And it's just, it just makes people really hesitant to go down to the city anymore, which, which sucks because there are a lot of cool things in the city. We just got a new uh, soccer team down there and they're doing really well. And, you know, you go down there, you get your car jacked, you get robbed, you get shot. You know, we had a guy a couple of years ago that got shot midday. He was a veteran and he got shot midday uh, down at the Cardinals game. He was robbed, shot in his back, paralyzed. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's terrible, but I try not to live in fear. You know, you got to keep your head on a swivel. Another thing police work teaches you. And, uh, even though I'm a, you know, a civilian now, I, I still adhere to that and, you know, I keep, keep my head on a swivel down there. So, you know, and that sucks because you should be able to go to a fucking ball game and not yeah. worry about that shit. Cause I'm not right. You know, I'm, I'm a hike away from St. Louis, but it's a day away. You know, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a big deal to get up early and head down there and catch a game, you know, but sure. I, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like there's some mm-hmm. concerts that have gone through in the closest place sure. to St. Louis. And I'm like, nah, hard pass. Yeah. And you know, I, um, I actually had a old army buddy reach out to me a few months ago and he's like, Hey man, I'd love to, you know, reconnect with you. I'll be in town. Um, I want to, you know, maybe we can go to lunch or something like that. And, uh, he goes, and I kind of want to take in some sites and stuff. I'm like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you, you don't want to do that now. You know, he was in the Rangers and shit, so he's he's a hard ass, so he doesn't really adhere to any of that. But I just, you know, I had to tell him, I'm like, uh, you got to be careful, man. Um, you know, he brought his car down here and everything. And I said, the St. Louis, you know, we we jokingly say around here, the St. Louis Welcoming Committee. 
that's where you're new to St. Louis and you park your car and you come out and all the windows are shattered and all your shit's gone. So, um, you know, you got to warn people about that. It's just, it's real. And it, and it is a shame because, uh, I am a traveler. Uh, we, we like to take several trips a year and I, I like to go all over the United States and, and see different things. And I know I don't live in these other places, but I go to these other places and I'm like, man, these people, they just walk around. It's so carefree here. It just seems so safe. You know, when, when you've been a cop for so long, you kind of get a good feeling of how a city is, you know, you, you can feel like, man, this just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right here. It feels dangerous or like, man, it's so laid back here. Feels good. Everyone's chill. Everything seems pretty safe. There's crime everywhere. I get it. But you know, I've, I've been all over, man. And I, I don't experience that stuff like I do here in St. Louis. It's just, it's, it's bad, unfortunately. So your first policing gig was St. Louis County police. Right. Can you, I, I, I mentioned this before we started recording. I don't understand. Right. So St. Louis is in St. Louis County, right? Yeah. So St. Louis, St. Louis County police department is not a, they're not a sheriff's department. Um, they're, they're a County police department. Uh, it was established in 1955. Um, then there's the St. Louis city police department, metropolitan police department. So, um, man, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. Last time I knew, I think, I think the city was state ran. I think that's kind of the difference too. Like they're, they were state ran or they were trying to get state ran. There's a lot of politics involved in it. Um, but that's another thing, man. You know, another reason when I was getting into police work out here first, initially, I, I was told, man, you know, you need to go to St. Louis County or one of the other surrounding municipalities do not go to the city. So that's been a thing for a while. Do not go work in the city. They're understaffed. They're under-equipped. And that has been true. And it's just gotten worse over the years. And it's sad. I've got friends that work down in the city and stuff. And I mean, you can look up news articles about this and everything. I'm talking two days to respond to robberies. Um, you know, you get your, you go down there, you get your car broken into, you get, uh, uh, you, you know, you get stuff stolen out of your car, your car's stolen. They won't even come out. They'll just do reports over the, now that's not their fault. I'm not, the, it's not the police officer's fault. It's not their fault. It's the way it's ran. It's, it's a, it's a terribly ran city, you know, as far as the government, you know, government resources, it's just, they're, they're just terribly ran. Uh, they were big on defunding the police. All that's all that stuff went on and they've just suffered all the police departments have, but the city has just suffered. You'll go down there and you won't even you won't see a cop I mean, for miles. I mean, they they there's just one one every, you know, several miles. You know what I mean? It seems like and you'll, you'll go down there. You'll go down there and walk around and you won't you won't see any. And it's just it's just it's kind of unsettling. Um, so the St. Louis yeah. County Police, is there a sheriff's department, too? Or do you guys cover like. But do you guys basically cover outside of city limits, just like the smaller towns in the county? Is that a sense? Is that what you? Yeah. Guys so it's do? just yeah, it's just like a it's just like a sheriff's department where we we uh, St. Louis County handled all the unincorporated areas. Okay. Okay. So all the unincorporated now, St. Louis. It's it's very strange the way they did it. Um, when I when I last saw, I believe in St. Louis County, I believe there's up to ninety five different municipalities within St. Louis County. That's another thing I'm really against. I'm not saying there needs to be a total takeover from St. Louis County Police Department, but uh, what you get is there are several departments that are within St. Louis County 
uh, incorporated departments, municipalities that are very horribly run and they've got uh, one or two cops that work there. And, and they just, they, they don't have the resources to do anything. They don't have a crime scene unit. They don't do any of that. So they, they have to use St. Louis County for all their resources. We have a shooting call St. Louis County. We need a canine call County. You need a uh, helicopter call County. So, you know, they're just kind of there to take the reports and, you know, do whatever they can do with one or two men. And I just, you know, County has been, I don't want to say County has been good because I don't really think it's been uh County's deal, but uh, it's been better because St. Louis County has been slowly uh, annexing those areas and taking over those little areas. So there are very good municipalities out here that are well-staffed, well-manned, well-equipped, uh, pay very well. And those are good communities to live in, but there are some that just, man, they, they just shouldn't even be departments, to be honest with you. So you worked in that area during Ferguson. Mm -hmm. Can you tell the millions of listeners about <laughs> that time period? Yeah, that was uh, that was rough, man. It was it was so. When that went down, when I first found out about that, I was on a cruise with my wife. And we were in our room on the cruise and we turned on turned on the TV and CNN popped up or whatever. And I saw all of this unfolding. And I I couldn't believe it. I I mean, I, my 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 jaw was just, you know, it just dropped because I'm I'm watching the news. I know the area. I know the streets. Uh, I, I'm seeing all the officers respond. I know all these guys and I'm like, and it just, my heart sank. My heart sank because my wife, she saw that and she looked at me and she goes, this is what we have to look forward to when we go back home. And I went, yeah. And I don't want to say it ruined the vacation, but man, that was in the back of your head the whole time. And I came home and, you know, got involved with that. And it was, I mean, you know, for me and a lot of other officers, it was 26 to 30 days straight, no days off. Uh, when that verdict came down, no days off, uh, 12 to 14, sometimes 16 hour shifts. I mean, you were going home, sleeping for a couple hours, getting up, getting back out there. And it was just nonstop every, every day. And it was, it just, it really took its toll. So all those peaceful protests, man. Mm, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those peaceful protesters, they, uh, you know, I watched, I watched the city, uh, I watched them burn their city down. I mean, that's, that's unfortunately what happened. They, uh, you know, they burned down the the gas stations, the, the mom and pop grocery stores, they, you know, they, they did all that. So, um, and it was, it was terrible watching that happen. And then, of course, after that all happened, the, the surviving businesses were like, we're not going to be you know, I, I, we don't want to be victims to this anymore. And they, they ended up moving out and it's just, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a, I don't know. It just, it's just ruined a lot of businesses, ruined a lot of lives up there. And it was, it was terrible. What was the feel, I, I guess, before that happened, were there good, and, and obviously you weren't a cop in Ferguson or anything, but right. Like, but we took over what? Ferguson at that time, St. Louis County police took over Ferguson. We, we were actually stationed in their firehouse. We we took over complete control. Like the the ruling was any incidents that happened in Ferguson within their city limits, the remaining Ferguson police officers are going to handle that and we're going to handle everything else. We're going to handle the protesters. We're going to handle any incidents that happened. Uh, CNN was out here 
Uh, Fox News was out here. Any major news source that you can think of was out here. They were getting robbed. They were getting mugged. They were getting their camera equipment stolen. We were taking those reports. I mean, it was it was utter chaos. So um, what was the relationship it was with? Well, I was gonna, I was going to ask what the relationship was with the community prior to that. I don't know that I can speak on that only because I didn't I didn't work in Ferguson. You know, they have their own police department, fire department, and all that. Um, it, it is it's a very rough area. That's a very um, it's just a very crime ridden area. So I don't think that there was a very good relationship with that community and the police department to begin with. And then all of that unfolded. And then unfortunately, that just made everything worse. So uh you were up there you were in a police uniform you were being targeted it was really bad during the day but when night fell it was i mean i don't know it was something out of a a movie i mean it was it was it was piss bottles it was rocks it was you know sh people shooting into the crowd i mean it was just it was i mean dude they had to bring the national guard the army came in <laughs> they had to bring the army in like I, I, I saw an old army buddy. He came in, and I went, "What the hell?" Are you? He goes, "Yeah, man, we're we're here. We're here with you. Riot geared up. There, I mean, everything. There, you know, we we had to get help from the army. So it was, uh, it was just complete chaos. So, what about yeah. so for St. Louis County? Let's just say mm -hmm. during that time period, uh -huh. did you know the citizens? Do you guys have a good relationship, or was it kind of, you know, it's it's a, sh a shitty area, so it's. That shitty right. kind of thing. Are, are you talking about like, did St. Louis County have a good relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Prior, prior yeah. to Ferguson. Yeah. I, I would say we did, you know, at the end of the day, man, you know, when you're a cop, people are going to hate you. You know what I mean? They just hate what you stand for. They hate the uniform. They hate what you do. Those are the bad people. You know what I mean? But, you know, I'm not going to completely shit on it. And I'm going to say there, there were, you know, obviously there's, you know, when you're a cop, you only see the bad, you see all the bad stuff. So that's what you're, your mind just gets flooded with. And, you know, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but whenever you saw something good or somebody said something positive to you or anything, it seems disingenuine. You, you just look at it like, Hey, you know, Hey, I just wanted to, <laughs> this is the point that I got to <laughs> get into a gas station. They're like, Hey, I just wanted to thank you for your service. You know, you do a great job and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, Oh, thanks. And they walk away. You're like, fuck yourself. Fuck you. You're just, you don't mean that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the headspace I was in you know middle and then towards the end of my career was just it was just so jaded man i was just it just it takes its toll on your mental health so much it you know and you just you know how you just become just an angry hateful person and uh i hated that about myself um i just hated that you know it just it affected my home life um it affected my relationships uh it affected my sleep i mean it affected my health it affected everything about it and uh i just i just hated living that way but and i know i went off on a tangent but you know to get back to to get back to what you were saying i i think but before that there that was the dividing line when you you know i don't know how it was i don't know how it is anywhere else in the country but if you ask any cop around here the dividing line was pre and post Ferguson, because we'd never really experienced anything like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we became under a microscope. What's going to happen in St. Louis? You know, there are, there are police departments in this country that have written policy based off of what happened that we were involved in. How do we handle these, right? What do we do 
what do we do when this happens in our small town? What are we going to do? We call in the troopers. We call in the army. We we got to try to deal with it ourselves, you know, and and listen, you know, when when we first dealt with that, you know, there were mistakes made. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. There were mistakes made. There are things that should have been done that weren't done. And that's how we learn. You know, that's how that's how other departments hopefully saw some of that stuff. And we're like, hey, we don't we don't want to do that. We don't want to. We don't want to make those mistakes. We need to do better. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they learn from some of those things. We've been talking a lot in like generalities, but mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll kind of open it up to you, man. It, you know, the yeah. message you sent me actually not too long ago, you just happened to be luck out because I was scheduling shit. I'm like, fuck it. We're going to put this guy on right away. <laughs> you want to tell some of the the war stories you got? It sounded like you had a lot of shit that you went through in those 15 years down there. Yeah, I did. And that kind of goes back to, you know, I, I feel like I experienced so much in my time that um, it was probably enough for a full career. You know what I mean? Enough for a lifetime. I saw everything. I did everything. Um, I lost partners. Uh, I had friends take their life. Um, I was, uh, I was nearly killed. I was hit by a car and I was ran over at 40 miles an hour. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was obviously involved in, you know, like any, any good cop doing their job involved in several investigations. Um, you know, I've, I've, it's just, it, all that stuff just, just takes its toll. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I had a partner, um, that I worked with at a precinct, uh, at St. Louis County. Um, I ended up leaving county and I, I ended up working for another department for a few years. And the year, the year that I went to that other department, uh, which was nearby, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those municipalities within St. Louis County. It's a smaller municipality. Uh, when I went and worked for that department we got a, a officer involved shooting call and it was with St. Louis County and they needed all officers in the area to respond. And uh, man, you know, I started I started just zooming that way because they, you know, they, they asked if they could send me and I, I started heading that way. And I knew a County officer was shot. Um, I didn't know who it was, not that it mattered, but I knew that there was a good probability that I knew them, that I worked with them. And I would say I was probably about 10 or 15 minutes out from the scene. And um, they put out over the radio, they said, you know, Hey, we have too many officers on scene right now. You know, anyone else pull back. So, I mean, I, I did a U-turn and I went straight back to my station and I, I, I got with my dispatcher. I'm like, dude, who, who is it? Do we know? They're like, no, you know, we don't know anything yet. So I made some calls and I found out who it was. And it was one of the, uh, one of the guys that I worked with and, uh, found out that he, he'd been killed. And that, um, that was a huge turning point for me. Um, it, it really brought me down. It brought, it brought, it brought the whole County police department down, um, you know, all the officers in the area. It was just really tough. I obviously had an emotional connection to it. Um, and man, I just, you know, I had to take a few days off. I, um, you know, I, I, I sat at home and uh, watched all the news stuff come out about it and his picture flash up on the screen. And it was very difficult. It was really, really hard. So that was, that was one of the biggest turning points uh, for, for me, you know, and, and, and kind of, kind of my push to get out. He, he had been recently married, uh, had very, very young kids. And 
my son was young at the time. And I, I said to myself, man, I, I can't let that be me. You know, this, this happened to him and I, I'm broken over it. And I, I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to my family now. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I feel like I, I kind of started the gears moving to like, I need to start figuring something else out. And it took a long time. Uh, that was in 2016. I, I didn't end up getting out of police work until 2020. You know, so, I, if we can touch on that a little sure. bit, yeah. you know, I, I've been very fortunate that I haven't lost an officer, like a line of duty, like mm-hmm. some stuff outside of work, you know, especially, you know, during COVID and, and, sure. you know, the other things have happened, but right. Line of duty, I I was very lucky that that didn't happen to me. There was some close calls, definitely, but it yeah. never happened. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. one of my greatest fears, you know, leaving is that somebody that I know gets killed. You know that yeah. that is not going to go away at you know until everyone I know retires, and then after right. that, it's, you know, you're yeah. going to worry worry about those those young people. But sure, I could see you know being in your shoes, and don't don't let me speak for you, but no, no. You go out there and you try to do the best for the community. You try to do the right thing. You try to be mm-hmm. a, a servant. Yeah. And this is the thanks that he got, you know, yeah. and yeah. that was probably be where my mind would go with something yeah. like that. I mean, it just, uh, you know, I told you before, you know, you know, you introduced me as the, the jaded officer and that man, that it just made me so angry. It just made me even more just, just hateful. And just, just, I hate this job. It's pointless. Um, I don't understand why we do it. I, I don't, you know, it, it's, I always described it as, as putting a bandaid on a bullet wound. We're not making a difference. You know, I, now deep down inside, do I know that's not true? Um, yes. I think in, in, in a lot of instances, um, I was also involved in an instance where I was able to, after that, after, after he was killed, um, I think it was the year after I was able to save a woman's life who had been shot. And I, I'm not saying that that made up for it. But when that happened, I was like, man, that obviously that felt really good. And I'm still close with this woman today. I, I, I'm i friends with her. I talk to her. I check up on her. We go to dinners, uh, friends with her family and her kids. And, you know, the outpouring of love from her friends and her family and her over the past few years that she's given me for for giving her another chance and uh, helping to save her life has has been just an enormous weight off my shoulders. And, you know, I, I battle sometimes with the, with those thoughts, like what, what, what would have happened if I couldn't have saved her? If I didn't save her, man, I would, I would, I, I'm, listen, I'm very open about what police work does to your mental health. Um, I, I've been in and out of therapy for, you know, years for this stuff, uh, for, you know, I, I will openly say I, you know, I was involved in a lot of terrible shit in Iraq, but um, I it's, it was nothing compared to the uh, 15 years of police work I experienced that took its toll on me mentally so bad that, you know, I've been, I've been in and out of therapy. Um, and, you know, that's a whole nother tangent, man, but you know, it's just, you know, this, it's just such a stigma in this job that you'd better, you'd better not be weak You'd better not have any weak thoughts. You better not be upset. You better not be sad. You better be a robot, not show your emotions. You better suck it up, get on to the next call. And I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, I, I 
Thankfully, I was involved with a really good therapist who was actually a former police officer and she quit and she became a therapist. And, um, you know, so it was really nice talking with her because, you know, she knew what I was going through, you know, maybe not, maybe she hadn't had that exact experience, but she could relate to what I was dealing with. So, you know, I, you said something in the beginning of the podcast that I've been kind of pondering over and then it kind of, kind of revisited a little bit when you were just Mm -hmm. talking about everything. You said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, the people that just think it's the greatest thing in the world and they don't understand why anybody wouldn't want to do that. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I come across that sometimes because Mm -hmm. there are some people and, and I'm, I believe everybody's entitled to their opinion that think, you know, I, I sit here making memes and doing a podcast about a job. I don't, I don't do anymore. And people, some people have an issue with it. You know what? They're definitely entitled to their opinion and I see where they're coming from, to be honest. Right. But I, I've just kind of come to this conclusion that we all have our different tolerances, our different tolerance levels, and we're not all the same, you know, and some of us, it takes an awful lot for the cup to get filled. Yep. And for some of us, it doesn't take a lot. And I'm not yeah. saying, I mean, what you had was a fucking, was a ton of it. And and I think the thing people don't do is they don't show grace to each other, which has been kind yeah. of my, my word Absolutely. of the season is like mm-hmm. these guys that are like, I don't understand how you fucking could quit. You're a coward. You quit and all this stuff. Maybe they haven't experienced things the same way. Maybe they're wired differently. And I just, I don't think we do enough to kind of understand that we're not we don't all have the same tolerance. We don't yeah. all function at the same. I don't, I don't exactly we function right. differently. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. And I think I, I won't shit on the guys that are like fucking totally gung ho because I, when you said earlier, like what we do is pointless. It doesn't matter. That's exactly where my head was at when I left mm-hmm. because it's the, the justice system is a revolving door. Sure. I'm going out here, arresting people. They're out the next day. The yeah. policies Mm-hmm. are so fucking restrictive it's like mm-hmm. f- free reign you know criminals can do whatever the fuck they want why am i here why am i putting mm-hmm. my ass on the line for this absolutely absolutely um yeah you're you're exactly right and you know going along with that i i felt especially once i got that in my head i a knew it wasn't going away and B, I knew that I was not going to be a good servant to my community in that headspace. And I think that that's very, very important to recognize. When you don't care anymore and you think what you do is pointless and you fucking hate your job and everything is coming down on you as far, like you said, restrictions, this, that. Um, the last department I worked at, um, they were getting body cameras as I left. You know, it's you know, obviously it's a big thing now. Um, and you know, there was a there was a guy there that uh, that worked there for years and years and years, and he was fired over um, something where he accidentally left his body camera on and went and pulled out into a parking lot and had like a two hour conversation with a family member. And um, that footage got reviewed and he had said something um, that they didn't that was inappropriate and that they didn't think he should say. And he was fired. And it was shit like that, man, that I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know. I have this mentality and I still feel it's true that at the end of the day, the department is not going to protect you. I don't care what department you work for. They are going to protect themselves and either the city or county or wherever 
that they work for, that's who they're going to protect. At the end of the day, when it's you on the stand and it's them, they're not going to stand up and go, yeah, you know what? He was right. Yeah, blah, blah. They're going to say, yeah, no, whatever you guys think. Yeah, no, if that's no, if that's the case, if that's what you need to, you know, need to rule, then that's fine. And they're, they're not going to stand behind you. And, uh, you know, you're out there literally risking your life and putting your your ass on the line and all that for, um, you know, someone that's going to uh, end up throwing you under the bus. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. They've tried to do it to me a hundred times, um, other officers. And it's just, you know, I've watched people's careers get ruined because uh, they were trying to do the right thing and uh, nobody would stand up for them. So and that's, just... and that's the problem in law enforcement. I mean, mm -hmm. you just, you have too many people in quote unquote leadership positions. And I could just, I think all of us, especially people that are left that can just fucking go off on brass. I mean, sure. I know of situations where people were cleared by the department mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it, it becomes a thing. And then the department's backtracking and say, we need to of do course. better. And it's like, you already fucking put these officers back out on the road. Of you course. thought it was fucking good to go. And now mm -hmm. you fucking cucks are saying, yep. you know, they're so fucking wishy-washy on shit. Mm -hmm. Now, have we seen and here's the problem here's the fucking problem is you have the other side of the coin where departments do cover shit up because it's sure. happened let's be absolutely. honest it's happened absolutely and and in that case they you know they they stick their feet in the sand when they they mm -hmm. obviously were wrong and so you, you know i try to be open to that too but it's just of course it's fucking it's impossible dude like the yeah. whole the whole idea sometimes most of the time in my head is impossible yeah, because you're never going to do it right. Right. Because the goalpost is always moving. It's always moving. That's it. That's exactly right. And, you know, kind of going back to what you said, you know, I again, just reasons, you know, reasons I've become jaded. You know, I've I've had them open cases on me that were closed, done, sealed years later, reviewing reports and bringing me in. Hey, why'd you do this? What What happened here? What are you talking about? That was two years ago. And this this is done guys in prison or jail or like, we're done here. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, you know, should you have pulled your gun at that point? You know what I mean? You know, should, do you think you should have done that? Or, you know, and then it's just, just the constant questioning of what you do and why you're doing it. Anyway, it, it was, it was at that point too, where I'm like, you know, this is a job where in a split second, the decision you make will either send you to prison for the rest of life or get you killed. Yeah. And that that was not something I could handle anymore, along with everything else that was going on. And I, you know, I I the last department I worked on, it, you know, um, it was it was a terrible we worked 12 hour shifts and you worked 30 days of days and then you worked 30 days of midnights. And I was sitting in my patrol car one night and I was just I, I just I literally said to myself, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't I cannot do this shift, this schedule, the stress, and I cannot um, live with that, that for the next 20 plus years that I got to try to survive not being killed or going to prison for doing my job. I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. and, and thank, thank God now, you know, I, I'm out now. Um, I, I work, uh, I, I work in the HVAC field. I was very lucky to uh, get into that. And, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to, you, you fuck up. You're not going to prison. You're not going to jail. It may cost somebody some money. It may cost the, 
the company some money, you know, that they may, you're not, nobody's losing their life here. Nobody's lives are getting ruined. Nothing's happening. It's just, it was so much stress lifted off of my shoulders. And, you know, like I said before, it was just, it was just the best decision I ever made. And then, you know, going back to that jaded feeling, I was like, you know, after I got out and I did, you know, I did that at, by the way, at 35 years old, I didn't know a hammer from a nail. I didn't know shit about anything. And I, I went into HVAC, I got my license and I, you know, that's what I do for a living now. And I just look at, I'm like, if I can do that, why the fuck aren't you doing it? You're miserable. You're miserable. You're miserable. Make the move. I know it's scary. I know it's terrifying. I was there. You know, I was making really good money at the last department. I was, you know, I was making really, really good money, thankfully, but I had to, you know, the money was not worth it. I was so fucking miserable. I was so miserable and I, I couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, that's, that's when I was like, you know, what, you know, I, I gotta get, I gotta, I have to, I have to do something. And I, I told my wife, I said, listen, I'm going to get out of this. And it may mean me like Ubering during the day and like stocking shelves at a grocery store at night. I will do that until I find something else, but I, I have to, I have to leave this or, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And she's like, listen, if that, you know, I totally support you. You do whatever you need to do if that's what you need to do. And, and I did it. And I thank God every day, you know, this, this company took a chance on me and they trained me and I, you know, I love it there. And I, I, I'm so glad that I got out and I just, I've had, you know, and when I did that, a lot of guys that, you know, they don't just, you know, it happens sometimes, but a lot of guys don't just leave and then uh, start a career, you know, mid middle of their mid thirties and just start over. So I had a lot of friends come up to me like, dude, how'd you get the balls to do that? Like, what did you do? Like, tell me, like, how do I, how do, what do I need to do? Um, I had a good friend of mine. She was, uh, she was a cop. She found out she was pregnant and she came to me and was like, I, I have to get out. Like, I can't do this. I have a kid now coming and I, I can't do this. What do I do? And I said, let me talk to some people and see what I can do. And I got her out and I got her out and she, she works with me. She loves it. She's doing a great job. She's never been happier. She's, she's so, you know, we talk about it all the time. You know, she doesn't have to deal with, you know, any of that stress and stuff anymore. And it's, it's great. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you guys about the Thin Line Rock Station. You've heard me promote them over the last few podcasts. It is music for first responders by first responders. I love listening to it. And not only do they play a great variety of music, they have the request line. You can request stuff. They also promote police businesses, and they also promote police charity. And a portion of all their proceeds goes back into the police community. So if you're like I... You want some good tunes, great variety, go check them out. Again, that is a Thin Line Rock Station, and I'll have a link in the podcast description. Now, back to the podcast. All right, so this is a weird question, but let me let me let me tell a story to ask a question sure. or make a statement to ask a question. But yeah, you know, I I hear a lot of the stuff you're saying three years after leaving, which is a lot of it is where I was at in my head mm-hmm. and, and why I left. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I do this podcast and and I talk to cops all over the country, still on the job, off the job. And yeah. I get messages from people saying, Hey, you know, this podcast, you know, talking to it, it, it cemented in my head that I want to be a cop. And I'm like, you fucking idiot, oh, man. But <laughs> at that same time, like I, I realize that we have to have cops. 
you know, right. Yes. We need people to do the job. What, right. What do you think? And obviously we're putting on fairy tale imagination Mm -hmm. hats right now because none of the shit we're about to say is going to (laughs) happen. But right. What for you, Uh what would need to change for you to say, all right, being a cop is a viable career and I would encourage people to do it. What would you, what would you say would need that change? Man, you know, when you ask me that, my, my mind immediately goes to like that, that anger place. I'm like, no, fuck that. There's nothing you can do. Like, no, don't, you know, and, and in saying that I've, I've turned a lot of people away from this job and I have no shame in that. I've, I've, you know, I've explained to them like, listen, man, like your families, I don't, I don't care what you, I don't care what anybody says. Okay. And this isn't just my experience. This is just, this is a general consensus in this job that your family's going to suffer. Your health is going to suffer. Your mental health is going to suffer. Your, I mean, your, your sleep, your, your everything, everything is going to suffer. And what is that worth to you? And I feel like when you're younger, you don't care. And you knew this. I'm sure you felt this way when you when you first became a cop. I did too. Well, I they they wouldn't even have to pay me. I just come to work every day for free. I love this so much. And then you get to a point to where you're like, they couldn't pay me enough money to do this anymore. I hate this so much. And you know, but going back to your question, what I mean, fairy tale hats. They it would have to be. I mean, a, a complete overhaul on policy within governments within the police departments themselves. I mean, um, and and I I feel like when you, you know, when you start saying that, when you start saying that a lot of red flags start going up and people start getting twitchy about police states and they start getting scared. Well, you know, you just got to have these cops run rampant and, you know, it's going to, it's going to turn into Russia and they're just beating people to death on the streets and everything like that. So I feel like there's such a fine line. There's such a fine line between what, you know, letting the leash go and then not taking the leash off. And I don't have all the answers. I don't know where that line is. All I know is in my experience, all I've done is watch them just strangle the life out of what cops are allowed to do and what they're, you know, what they should be doing and everything like that. And just put them under such a microscope that Man, by the time I left, and I'm sure it's even worse now, by the time I left, nobody was nobody was writing tickets, nobody was doing anything, nobody, all self-initiated activity was gone. You sat in a, you know, you sat in a parking lot and you 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 waited for that call. And you'd go handle that call, you come back to the parking lot because those are the less chances that you have in getting involved in anything that's going to get you killed or go to prison. That was my experience. But again, going back to what you said, I I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't know because in my head, when you ask me, there's nothing you can do to get me back doing that job. Uh, you couldn't pay me enough. There's nothing. So um, it's, it's a crazy. tough question. Here's what's crazy. I think I could. I think I might. Why? Even like why? With... What What makes you think? Why? You... <laughs> Great question. And here's the answer. And I and don't get me wrong, like I'm not shitting on you or anything, because I get mm. it. I get it. And and honestly, what you've been through is probably much worse than what I've been through. Much, much worse. The county, the loss, the things you've dealt with. You've had a tremendously worse experience than me. Right. Hands down. I, I can't even compare. 
to the things that you've dealt with and seen. But what I can tell you is for me, and not everybody shares this, but for me, mm-hmm. I can't think of a more honorable job when it's done right, when it's done in a place. Now, I would, and not to get political, I would right. never, ever in a million years mm-hmm. be a cop in a liberal city ever again. Now, I know, the, the, you know, everybody I think already knows my politics on the podcast, so I try not to make it about pod, you know, I don't like this to be a political podcast, but what right. I will say though is, yeah, people come to me and say, well, yeah, I work for a blue city, but I have, you know, they pay me a lot and we have unions. And I ask mm-hmm. you, is it fucking worth it? Right. Now I'm lucky. I'm in a position that I, I could go to work for a smaller agency where people actually want you there and where sure. human beings are mostly decent to each other. Right. Fuck. Yeah. Places like where you live, yeah, it's out of control. It's out of fucking control. And we can't talk about that. We can't talk about the reasons Mm -hmm. why those places are out of control. Yeah. And we're not going to go down that road today, folks. We probably could and should, but (laughs) it's fucking out of control. And nobody, I I don't understand how this is an, an argument, like, or people bring this up is, I think everybody knows, like, yeah, small towns have problems, too. They're not perfect. Try that in a small town. But yeah. <laughs> these cities are rampant drug abuse, crime, and mm-hmm. no one bats an eye. They're like, oh, it sucks. Somebody got shot. But, man, that bodega on the corner is sure nice, isn't it? And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Right. How are you okay with this? Why do you live here? Sure. I don't understand how people yeah. live in places like that. I, Why I the agree. fuck do you live in St. Louis? Yeah. Why? It makes yeah. no sense to me. I, I, I know, you know, and I mean, at this point, um, you know, without getting too much in my personal life, you know, um, um, custody develop custody developments with my son prevent me from leaving here or I would Fair have been enough. gone a long time ago. And I promise you that I think about it all the time. Um, So I, I am unfortunately stuck here, but, you know, I'd like to go back to what you said, as far as, you know, an an honorable career and everything like that. Um, I'm not to, to say that this isn't an honorable career would take away from the, those, those men and women that have died in this career. So I would never say that because that's not the case. I, I do believe it's an honorable career and, you know, something you said earlier, and this is something I struggled with, with just my hatred for this job and just the experiences that I've had and everything. Listen, I know, I know I've experienced so much in my time frame that, that has caused me to have these thoughts, but this is just the way I feel and it can't be changed. So, but with that said, um, you know, I just feel like, you know, it, it is, it is honorable, but there comes a point and I don't know if you have kids or not or what, but there comes a point to where you have to say, I have to do what is best for my family and, and my, which, which may mean doing what's best for you. Maybe my, maybe changing my career. So my mental health is better drastically changes my family's life. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, when I, I'd come home a lot and I was so, I was just so angry all the time when my wife was just, you know, she's like, man, you're just, you're just in a bad mood every day you get home. And I'm like, yeah, I fucking hate this job. I fucking hate it. And I can't get out. 
That's what I felt like. I had no college degree. Um, I, I, I couldn't do anything else. Like I, I didn't, I felt so trapped in, in a hell and something that I hated so much. And I know people, I, I, there's guys all over the country right now. They're listening and they're, they're thinking, God, what a fucking drama queen and everything. And you know what? Kind of back to what you said, if that's how you feel, then that's fine. If you work at a department that you just love life and, and everything's great, then, then great. But I, I, you know, St. Louis, most dangerous city in the, in the country, you know, always. And, you know, I, I worked here for almost 15 years and it's, it has just taken its toll on me. And I've watched it take the lives of my friends. I've watched it take, um, I've, I've had friends take their lives because of it. And, um, I've, I've just had such terrible experiences with it that, you know, I just wish that I, I don't know that I would say that I wish I didn't do it, but, um, you know, I, I, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe make a different career path, you know, and, and I'm glad, I'm glad I was able to do that because like I said, I'm, I'm just in such a better place now. And I know everyone's thinking, ah, you just can't let it go. But this, this is the point of this, you know, it's not something I dwell on every day. This is the point of this podcast is we're talking about this stuff and hopefully maybe it opens some guys eyes and maybe some people learn from this. And maybe some people listening now can say, man, if he left at 35 to start a completely new career, that's something I've been scared to do and something that I've been wanting to do. And you know what? Listening to him now, I, I know that's something that I can do if I put my mind to it. Because trust me, it was impossible for me. No degree, no skills, no nothing. All I knew was uh, military and police work. And, you know, I was I was able to, to change that. So was there like a, a final straw where you're like, fuck this, I'm like done, done? Yeah, Um the last department I worked for, like I said, it was it was a much smaller unincorporated. Or I'm sorry, it was a much smaller municipality within St. Louis County. I worked for them, um, and the politics were just absolutely rampant, um, and it, it was getting so out of control. Um, the walls were closing in on me. They were they were starting to come after me for things, um, and it was nitpicky things. You know what I mean? That they were using to um, kind of build a, a sheet on me basically to try to get rid of me. That's what, that's what was happening. They never admitted that, but it was just this, it was just these, these things that were just closing in and closing in and closing in. And honestly, if you ask me what finally, what finally did it, um, is that the schedule I had was, I, as I said earlier, it was every 30 days, 12 hour shifts, day shift, and then nights that wasn't going away. Um, it didn't really change much once you got promoted, unless you got promoted, like, you know, captain and above, then you had the better schedule. I knew that they were never going to promote me. So I knew that that was going to be my life for the next 20 years because that department I was working at was one of the higher paid departments in the area. So I'm not going to go work somewhere else and do the same thing for less money. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to make good money. But if I stay here, I know that this is my life for the next 20 plus years. I'm going to have this schedule and I hated it. And I, um, I was sitting in a parking lot one night on midnights and I was just, I was, it was three o'clock in the morning, you know, I was like bouncing my head off the window, like just so tired. And I'm like, I hate this. I can't do this anymore. And, um, uh, I had a very good friend with me that uh, or very good friend that worked with me in that department. Him and I were actually, uh, we started the police Academy together. Uh, we went through St. Louis County together. Then he ended up going to this other department 
uh, a year, a couple of years before me. And then I ended up following them over there. So we worked there together. So we, we had worked together almost our whole careers and he wanted to get out too. And he, he had said to me, uh, he goes, man, what if we, what if we looked into the trades? And I said, trades, <laughs> I laughed at him because he's very good. He's very good at building and he's got very good skills, you know, electrical and all that stuff is it trades. I said, I can't do that shit, man. He goes, no, he goes, listen, I, I found a place that I think, you know, will train us and help us, you know, help us kind of develop our skills and get through this and all that. And I said, okay. And we made some calls, we made some things work and then we both left. And, um, it was the best decision I ever made. So just out of my own curiosity, why do you think, I mean, was there something, and again, like, I don't want to get, you know, we don't need to get into the weeds on something that, you know, could cause issues down the line, sure. but why was your department going after you? Do you think? Um, so this is, this is what I think. And maybe some people can relate to this or they'll think I'm crazy. When you go to a smaller department from a bigger department, you, when you come in, um, now some people might disagree. I don't think that I was cocky. I had spent eight years at St. Louis County. I had seen more than than those guys had ever seen in their life, um, experienced more things. And and spending that long at a department and then going to another department was, you know, a smaller, more controlled um, political department. It was very shell shocking. And when I got there, you know, maybe some people would say I was cocky. I don't think that I was. I, I just went in there confident saying, man, if I, I said to myself in my head, I said, and if I could survive in the areas I did in St. Louis County, I'm going to come over here and this is kind of going to be easy street. And I'm going to write out my career. Like that was my plan. And I think when I got there, they did things so drastically different than what I did at St. Louis County that, you know, I, I'm a very outspoken person. So I spoke up and I, I, it wasn't a complaint. It was more of, man, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily safe or that we should be doing things this way, or um, there's probably a better way to do this. You know what I mean? You know, when we were on the road, you know, you know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't, you know, maybe we should handcuff this guy before we do this or do that. Just, just stuff like that. I think that that's what got the ball rolling. And they were like, Oh, this guy wants to come in here and just think that he knows everything and start telling us what to do. So, so that kind of started getting the ball rolling and it was just, uh, it was just, just one thing after another, after that, where they just, they just, you know, they were questioning everything that I did. They were pulling old reports. They were going over things. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And it just started closing in just real tight. And I knew, I knew that, you know, that was another thing. I knew that if I didn't get out, I felt like I, they were going to fire me. So that, that was kind of another, another push was, you know, I, I need to, I need to get out of here. Um, before you know a, a fun uh, you know we've been we've been talking pretty serious a kind of a, fun, a funny story uh towards the end of my career with that department um i know a lot of departments do it differently but at my last department before i left police work um they had they had vacation time and sick time were separate okay okay so you earned you earned so much sick time every year and that was your time you know what i mean to use when you whenever you were sick or blah 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 that was your time that you earned, okay? When I had put my two weeks notice in, I was informed by the um, the the office ladies, basically the HR department that 
uh, we're not paying you for your sick time. And I had a lot of sick time built up. Again, stuff that I earned. That's part of the contract that you signed that you earned this time. And you're now you're not going to pay me for it. So some say some might say it's a shitty move. And, and I can understand that thought. But I, um, I'm like, you know what? If I'm putting my two weeks in and you're not going to pay me for something that I earned, I'm going to, I'm going to take my sick days. So I started taking my sick days. And at that point, uh, I would say it was like the second or third day in the chief calls me and he goes, Hey, uh, don't come back. I said, what? He goes, yeah, don't, don't come back. We know what you're doing. Um, you know, don't, you, you don't need to come back. We've, we've, we've locked out your access to the building and everything like that. So, uh, when you get here, just call somebody. They'll walk you up to your locker, like a, like a fucking criminal. They'll walk you up to your locker, and you can get your shit out of there, and you can go. You're you're not coming back. Jesus. And I said, okay. At that point, he called. This is something I found out, you know, a few days later. He called my buddy that was also leaving, and asked him, "Are you going to do the same thing?" And he goes, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "You know, Austin's taking the sick time and." Uh, you know, uh, kind of screwing us all with manpower and everything. Is that what you plan on doing? He goes, you know, we don't get paid for our sick time, don't you? And he goes, what? And he goes, you know, they're not paying us for a sick time when we quit. He goes, uh, I, I actually wasn't aware of that. <laughs> so he had no idea. So then <laughs> he ends up calling me back. Uh, of course, he doesn't tell me to come back or anything, but he ends up calling me back. And uh, I don't know. I wouldn't even call it an apology, just acknowledging that he had found out that we weren't getting paid for a sick time. So anyway, then I went, you know, I, it was just a nightmare. I had to go, <laughs> I had to go turn my stuff in and get my stuff. And um, I had a, I had a pension there and uh, I wasn't vested yet. So in that case, they, um, they're supposed to pay you out your pension. And uh, <laughs> a few weeks goes by and I'm like, Hey, where's my pension check? And they're like, Oh, you didn't turn, you didn't turn this item and you're not getting it. And I said, excuse me. I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And I said, excuse me? They're like, yeah, you didn't turn this in. I was so, I was so mad. It was some, it was bullshit. It was like, I want to say it was like a expired sweaty vest that I had worn for years. And I was so pissed. I I, I gave it to my wife. I said, you're going to go throw this on the front steps of that department and I will let them know that it's out there and I'm getting that pitch and check. And that's what she ended up going over there and uh, turning it in for me. Cause I just, I couldn't do it. I was so angry. So anyway, uh, you know, it was, it was stuff like that. That was just, you know, it was just grinding me down. And uh, you know, that, that was kind of the, that was kind of the last straw, you know, it's the sign that, you know, Hey, I made the right decision. And uh, you know, I, I've never looked back. It's, it's been great. So. I, I want to like step back a, a couple minutes sure. into the conversation. Yeah. You said something interesting and i've been kind of stewing on it you know you you said you got there and it was a lot different and you know so mm -hmm. you spoke up and, and said some things and yeah. i've i've made this observation at my old department where mm -hmm. there was it and it there was at where we worked and i think a lot of departments are like this you have you know basically you have like your rookies that come in as rookies at the department and then you have people right. that have lateraled over and right. there was always and maybe this is imaginary, but this kind of this divide between the laterals and the, you know, what they called them basics where I worked and mm -hmm. over time, you know, people usually got along, but the laterals had a shorter Academy and, you know, shorter probation and blah, 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 which again, okay. you know, you, you, you 
you played the game a little bit longer. So sure. I, it's it's a thing. But our department would talk about, you know, wanting laterals so we can learn and value their experiences and stuff. <laughs> they would say that. They would say it. But then whenever uh, the lateral would say, well, hey, we used to do it this way. What do you think? He was lampooned. <laughs> you know? Um, right. Yeah. And I I feel like that's and I've made memes about it too mm. you know i've definitely made <laughs> yeah. names making fun of like oh well at my old department well we're not right. at your old department asshole exactly but when you sit back and think about it a little bit right like i i understand where like people are like yeah dude we, we do things this way here but mm-hmm. i think we're kind of keying in on one of the the problems with with law enforcement these days is yeah we're not learning you know like right. i agree there's shit that has happened throughout the country and I don't like knee jerk reactions, but we can definitely learn from things that have happened throughout the country, mm-hmm. which either admin or training is sure. not paying attention to, i.e. maybe when a dude stops fighting, you don't fucking stay on his back for eight and right. a half minutes. You put him right. in a rescue position. Sure. You know, that was training we'd gotten for years. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how the fuck did we get that? And Minneapolis apparently thinks that's a great fucking idea. right yeah it's shit like that i i just i i think it's a thing there's some very toxic things within law enforcement and i think that's one of those things and and i'm not a uh, sociology major so i can't speak Mm -hmm. you know with a lot of confidence to this but a lot of people in law enforcement we do kind of have that type a personality Oh, of course um, you have to, you almost have to in this, in, in that job you, you do. Yes. I feel and like. we all kind of, and I'm fucking certainly guilty of it. We all think we know better. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. And we can see how that's a conflict from the outside, right? Sure. When we're not, I know better, you know, it, we always make the joke about, you know, the department say, well, this is the way we've always done it. Which oh, is, that's so true, man. That's that's what right? I thought with at the last department. It just what well, you know, and that was my big question is, why are we doing it this way? <laughs> we we've been doing it that way since 1911. Well, you want us to change now? You know, that and that was the and that just that grinded me because I'm a very conservative person, but I'm very progressive with police work. I, I when I think about police work, I'm very progressive. Shit has to change. We have to adapt. Nobody carries one bullet in their gun anymore and then carries, you know, the extra rounds in their sock like Barney Fife or anything. No, that's not the way we have to police anymore. We have to cater the policing to what the what is going on around us. And that is something that I I fought with with them. And it was just, uh, you know, it was just it was really tough. So it's funny you said that because that that was the answer that I got a lot. And and I'm not talking about, you know. I would bitch about the silly stuff to my friends. Like, why the fuck are we doing that? This is, this is stupid. Like I didn't do it this way, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the serious issues, like, um, you know, uh, an issue when I first got there to that uh, other department was, uh, you know, talking with a, with a suspect that was, uh, you know, that we suspected of a pretty serious crime and having a, a supervisor tell me, Hey, uh, you know what? Let's just finish it in the station. Go ahead and throw them in your, uh, go ahead and throw them in the front seat of your car. Don't cuff them up. I said, excuse me. No, no, just throw him in the front seat. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, if he's going in my car, he's going to be detained. He's got to get cuffed. He's got to get searched and patted down, and then we'll take him down to the station. And uh, I was ridiculed for that, and I was yelled at to the point to where this uh, the supervisor ended up taking this guy and 
throwing him in his car and taking him down to the station his way because I wasn't going to do it. I'm not going to be that statistic. So, um, you know, it's, it's shit like that, that I, that I had issues with when it came to officer safety, I said whatever I wanted to whoever I wanted about it because I didn't care that that was the number one priority for me was officer safety. And I, I would, I would tell the captain that the Lieutenant that the chief that to their face, I did several times, obviously bit me in the ass, but I wasn't going to shut up about that. So, cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the one that keeps my mouth shut and have, have somebody get killed because of something stupid we did or that I did or that anyone else did. So. Should we lighten the mood a little bit? It's been kind yeah, of, uh, yeah, it hasn't it has been, been very serious. I know, I know. And I'm, maybe that's my fault. I'm sorry, but you know, I, I, you know, I, I just wanted to relay some of the, you know, bad experiences, obviously that got me to the point to where I'm at now. Um, and, you know, you know, if you want to lighten the mood, I can tell you, uh, I can tell you a really funny story I did have with that department. You got it. We have time. I'll tell you what, you tell that funny story while I queue up the uh, officer of the podcast. What do you got? Let's do that. Okay. Uh, I'd say it was about two or three in the morning and I was pulling out of the station and uh, obviously it was pitch dark out and I see a, see a vehicle going from my headlights and it's a white Jeep. And I saw something going on with that Jeep that I thought I was seeing things. Everyone that's worked a midnight shift knows you start seeing the tree men and the ghost creatures and all that because you're so tired from driving around on 12 hour shift to start seeing shit and everything. And I'm like, man, I, I was seeing that. That wasn't real. And I said, Ugh. so I pulled out, I got behind that Jeep and uh, sure enough, it, it, it was, I was, I was seeing what I was seeing. It was the Jeep was going 40 miles an hour down this road. And there was two people on the roof having sex. Shut up. And are they filming it? Is it no, on no, 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 no. It's not on the internet anywhere that I know of. They were having sex. And I of course I flip my lights on. They pull over, they pull over into this parking lot. The woman um slithers down from the roof into the window like i don't know she looked like a chameleon or something nothing i'd ever seen i don't know how she did it the dude stands up on top of the jeep and falls face first onto the pavement oh and i went oh my god and he ends up getting up and he gets back in the jeep and i go up to the jeep uh Let's play a little game. Do you think it was teenagers or do you think it was a group of uh, adults uh, in their late 40s? I'm going to go with swingers <laughs> on this. This sounds okay. like a swingers thing. Ding, 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 ding. So I I go up to the car and that's it's there's four people in the car. Thankfully, somebody was driving and it wasn't ghost riding down the, uh, down the road. So uh, get them all out of the car, you know, start writing some tickets and everything. I leave the car there, have some some people come and get them and uh Man, I, to this day, I wish, obviously it's on a dash cam somewhere, buried somewhere, and I wish I had it. Uh, I never got a copy of it, but um, we we relived that footage for a long time because it was hilarious. So just the shit that you see, uh, obviously working on Midnight's as a cop. Yeah, so. and you can't, you know, it's just shit that's so unbelievable sometimes that like people are like, no way, no fucking way. They, yeah, yeah, they, they, they don't. Up, they don't believe you. You can't. Wild shit. Yeah, you can't. All um, right, so we're gonna do our uh, our officer of the podcast real quick. 
as you guys know, you can uh, nominate your buddies. I really appreciate email. It's much easier for me to keep track of because it's just me. And I hate Facebook and Instagram messages. So, but if you don't want to type an email, you think it's a boomer thing, you send it to me on Facebook and Instagram and I'll deal with it. But I might lose it. So that's your fault. Okay. Just throwing the blame out there. But as always, big, huge thanks to Ghost Patch for making the officer of the podcast patches. They're wonderful. They're beautiful. And the only way someone can get one is by not being nominated and winning the officer of the podcast. All right. This comes in from uh, a coworker that says, I would like to nominate my ship. My shit partner. Not my shit partner. My <laughs> shift sometimes, partner. Hey, sometimes a shit partner, right? Right? That's right. <laughs> Deputy blankety for officer of the podcast blankety had to go through the le training center twice because he had gotten the baloney he and i worked separate agencies while we were in academy together his second go around he was extremely dedicated to his studies that followed him to the road he's able to read our minds when we are on sketchy stops and cuts his lunch short to go help us on whatever we may need he's a proactive he's proactive and is good a resource whether we don't know someone is in the county, let's see, that doesn't make sense or I can't read. <laughs> Whether we don't know who someone is in the county or we're looking for all the secret spots, he always has the answer. Blankety is not the only deputy, not, God damn it, I can't read. Blankety <laughs> is not only a deputy, but he is also a full-time farmer. He wakes oh. up hours before his shift to tend to his livestock and ensures everything on the farm is in place so he doesn't have to worry about it on shift. On his days off, he is tending not only to his own fields, but also taking uh, jobs from his neighboring farms. Blankety and body is what it takes to be officer of the podcast. And if not being a full-time deputy and full-time farmer wasn't enough, there were several months uh, he was working the road by himself. Uh, he was going to call to call to call. Uh, on the interstate in the county and backing up the city PD. At this point, he had been extremely close to quitting the force during the burnout, but he's shown dedication, strength, and patience throughout the... And God, I cannot read. Blankety has been extremely close to quitting the force due to burnout. He has shown dedication, strength, and patience through his growth on the job and as a person. Well done, uh blankety deputy blankety and by special request here is a cow that might be a uh the new official sound for officer <laughs> of the podcast if they're deputies <laughs> oh man you know you so, you said something about him i'm sorry you said something about him that you know he has uh fought through the burnout and continued fighting the fight and you know, as much shit as I as I talked on this podcast so far, I I thoroughly respect that because something that you said earlier um, is that we, you know, we have to have good officers. They have to be out there. They have to protect me. They have to protect my family. They got to protect, you know, my 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 parents and, and all that stuff. And and it's true. You know, we we can't have a world where there's just no cops, obviously. And um and kudos to kudos to him, those guys for just sticking it out and fighting it through. And uh, something I couldn't do. I mean, it's just something I couldn't do. I, I, I fought the fight as long as I could and, uh, you know, I had to get out, but man, these guys that are able to stick it through. Bravo. So before we get, you know what, real quick, real quick, I'm going to go on an angry tirade 
that have <laughs> gone on several times. And, and I've kind of I've kind of mentioned it, but you know, I, I know where the this email originated from, and I'm pretty sure I'm familiar with the area. It's a good area of the country, good people. And mm-hmm. that's I think that's the difference. And you know, people in BFE are generally good people, good hard work and down to earth people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, there's criminals there, and there's that's why there's law enforcement there too, right? But places St. Lu- like St. Louis, Chicago, yeah. New York, Philadelphia, you name it, right, Baltimore fucking shit holes yep and i i know there's good people that live in those cities i know there is but those fucking people need to stand up and say we're done with this fucking shit we're tired of living in a third world fucking country right i don't think if if anybody listens to my podcast i i frequently spout my beliefs which isn't really what this was supposed to be about but here we are (laughs) but i I would really encourage anyone looking to get into law enforcement. Don't go somewhere where they don't deserve you. If yeah, man, that's well said. God forbid something happens to you in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere where. Where your presence I, is going to be missed. You know what I mean? Yes. Where, where well, they're going to feel where, that. where they respected your service. Exactly. You know, where they, where they actually wanted you to be there. You know, these these fucking people marching, you know, pigs in a blanket and shit. Fuck these people. Fuck Mm -hmm. them. I hope they get robbed. I hope they get maimed. I don't care about them. And maybe that's not wrong. Or maybe that is wrong. And maybe that's not very Christian of me. And (laughs) let's be honest, man. I fuck these people. Yeah. I I could care less about them. They're ruining our country. Yep. They are absolutely destroying the fabric of the country because they're fucking children and they're fucking pieces of shit. And I could care less what happens to them. They don't believe they don't deserve police services. You don't want the police. Right. Don't you don't like the police. You don't like how the services are. You fucking sign up and do it. You're getting what you asked for. And I I encourage people to join law enforcement, but I discourage them from joining it in a fucking shithole slum bag piece of shit city. Yeah, I agree. How about that? I think that's a good consensus. Be cop. Uh, just not a shithole. <laughs> How about that? So so now what you're saying is we'll have all the uh, rural areas packed with all the best officers and then uh, all the cities are just going to crumble even more than, <laughs> than they are. You know, but and I think that's happening. But here's the problem, though, is, you know, it's they don't have money. And yeah, that that's a thing. Like you like to travel. I would like to travel. Those things require money. And in these mm-hmm. rural areas where guys are making Thirty thousand dollars a year. Right, it's getting expensive to live everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and you just can't. You know, okay, so you make forty mm-hmm. for what you do. And now I know those smaller agencies; they're not as busy, but the you still run the risk of being shot. You still have to deal with these things. Yeah, you're not going to get the best people unless you're paying them. And I understand why people would say, hey, look, I really want to be a cop. It makes sense to do it in a major city because it pays more. I would rather be a, a cop in a rural area, but it doesn't pay, you know, because there's things I want to do. And and I'll be honest with you. I've, I've looked into getting into the job here. The benefits that I had, pay, salary, uh, pay and salary, the same thing. I'm an idiot. Pay, uh, you know, 
medical, dental, benefits, vacation yeah. time, benefits, all that mm-hmm. shit, it pales into comparison to what mm-hmm. I had there. Yeah. But I, at this point, okay, whatever. I mean, it, I guess it kind of is what it is, but I just, there's always that, that other side of it you have to look at. And unfortunately, yeah, yeah fucking, I want you to go be a rule cop where people actually want you. Here's the thing. Some people, they want to fucking run those calls every day. They want to hunt dope every day. And there's counties with 10,000 people. They're not going to have those opportunities to do that kind of policing. So they have to go to these right. shitty areas. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I guess, find what's right for you, I suppose. Yeah. But but I would I would encourage you to stay out of the places where they don't want you because they can go fuck themselves. Right. They can fucking, you know, we always, I God, you're setting me off a ledge here, but here we go. <laughs> you know, you know, if if people, the gangbangers, want to fucking kill each other, go fucking kill each other. Let's fucking put them in a fucking high school gym, and maybe high school gym was the worst reference, but let's put them, let's put them wherever they want to go, and they can fucking battle it out, and mm-hmm. it'll be fine. They can take care of each other, you know. Now yep. I say that obviously, if we're not there, there's drive-bys, innocent kids get hurt, and that stuff, and. Yeah. It's just a bad situation. And and I go back to my original thought and I'll we'll we'll get we'll lighten the mood here in a second. I'll go back to my original thought of the good people in these areas, you need to start speaking up. Cause I know there's yeah. people that don't approve of the uh the lifestyle, the culture that goes on in these shitty areas. Start speaking up because right. no one hears your voice and somehow we're okay with this shit, and we shouldn't be. We shouldn't have to accept a shitty fucking culture where people act like fucking shitbags. Yep. Like, I, I'm all for, you know, everybody has their different ideas on life. Okay. I can sit and tell you that the things that happen culturally in this country are fucking awful and no one yep. should be supportive of it at all. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. Oh, hey there. It's me. I just want to let you guys know about something. On my link tree, I have links to all your favorite poorly made things. I'm going to have a link specifically to the coins and patches with Ghost Patch, my merch with Spring, and a couple other things. We're going to have Fit Responder on there. We're going to have Officer Privacy on there. And of course, we're going to have RTI Training. If you're going to go sign up for class through RTI Training, use the link in my link tree. And it helps me out a little bit, and they know that I sent you. Check out my link tree for all things poorly made. I'll be updating it as new things come up. Going forward, the link should be on the description of every podcast. And, of course, uh, find it on my profile on Facebook and Instagram under Poorly Made Police Memes. Now, back to the podcast. You want to talk? You want to want to have a happy moment now? Do we want to talk it. happy? Let's stuff? do it. Yeah, let's get silly. Well, before we get silly, because this is your show. It's more your show than mine. Oh, it's my show. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is there right. anything that we did not talk about that you want to talk about before I, I turn it over to my dumb questions? I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't think there's any. I, I I guess the only thing left that I want to say about all that is, and again, I know I know it sounds like, you know, uh, drama queen shitting on all this and everything like that, but um if you do decide to do this career, um, you know, there's a good chance that, that you're, you're young, you know, and you're going into this and you're excited, piss and vinegar and everything like that. And that's good because we need cops that are like that. And that's really good. 
but I just want you to think, I don't want you to look five feet in front of you. I want you to think about what, what kind of lifelong career do I want here? Do I want to go through the, try to get through the promotion process and, you know, get up to a, you know, where I can work at a desk at some point, or, because let me tell you this, especially when you're young and you're, you're getting into police work and everything like that, you ain't get a, you're not going to survive working in the drug unit or the SWAT team for 30 years. I mean, it's just, it's too much. So um, I know there's, there's the few unicorns that do that and God bless those guys and girls, but um, you know, there's going to come a point in a time in your life. And I promise you where you you're getting older and you maybe are starting a family and you have other people to think about besides yourself. And at that point, what are you going to do? And one other thing I want to push is, you, this is this is the career of unknowns. You never know what's going to happen one day from the next. Have a backup plan. Always have a backup. If you think that you're going to spend the rest of your life in police work, that's great. And have that plan, but have a backup plan. Because what, if that time ever comes where you realize that you can't do this anymore, it, whether it happens instantly or over time, you need to figure out, you know, what else you can do. So just just. Just think about that. That's that's all I'm saying from experience. So now it's time for my dumb questions that hopefully are a little more cheeky <laughs> and fun. But we'll see what Let's happens. I'm I'm good yep. with piss and vinegar too. Let's do it. It weed's legal in Missouri now, right? Yeah, it is. Yep. Do you agree with that? Do you think weed should be legal? Yeah, I do. Um I, <laughs> that's something else, especially when I was a cop, I'm like, Oh, it's, you know, you know how many people I busted for weed, you know what I mean? And it's just, I, you know, but again, that's something towards the tail end of my career. You're like, man, it was, you know, you knew it was coming where it was going to be legalized. You'd find it in a car he'd stop it out. You know what I mean? It's just so stupid and trivial anymore. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it is legal here now. It's been really good for us. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but, um, it's, you know, it's generates a lot of revenue and, you know, it's now the only thing I guess I don't like is, man, I don't know how it is with these other states that have it legalized, but there there's just, there's a dispensary on every fucking corner of this place. I mean, it's a gas station dispensary, Burger King, then a dispensary, and then it's a, uh, you know, a church and then a dispensary. And I mean, it's just like, did, does there need to be that many? I mean, you can type in dispensary right now where I'm at. And I mean, 30 will pop up in a five mile. radius. It's insane. So yes, I do agree with it. Yes. I think it's good, but I think I do think it's a little, we're overcrowding it a little bit. So. Yeah. That's, that's what happened in Colorado. I remember seeing a dispensary outside of the children's museum. Mm. When I was there. Very good. Yeah. I mean, come on. Now, based on that question, do you think yeah. cops still on the job should be allowed to use marijuana on their time off? Yeah, I do because I see it. If if you if you know, again, this is this is my opinion. Um, I see it as alcohol. Okay, I see I see it like I like I see. Well, I mean, let, let's let's be honest. Way less dangerous than alcohol, right? Can we all agree on that? You know that that, I, that marijuana quick, is is way less dangerous than alcohol. I, I had a guest on the podcast, actually the la very last podcast before you, and he, mm -hmm. he, he shared some information and he said, you know, this is, you know, from a second source, but there's studies coming out that the concentration right now is, has been dangerous right. to people. Yes. I agree with that. But like, if we're talking about like, you know, the old school stuff, 
absolutely i would say not right um this is my experience i've seen a lot of crazy shit in 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 my police experience i've never had somebody so fucked up off of marijuana that they've rolled their car eight times and killed a family never not once drunk people multiple i pulled multiple bodies out of drunk cars that that, that killed people killed themselves rolled their car nine times down an embankment so again i can't stress enough this is my opinion Okay, and I know I know a lot of people won't agree with me with that, but um, you know, g- getting off that subject because pot safer than alcohol, whatever. Okay, but I um, I do think that um, you know a lot of civilian jobs I know around here. What they do is um, they basically say like you have to have not used within eight hours of your shift. It's legal. You can use it. That's fine. You, you can't be high on, on, you know, while you're working and you can't have used within eight hours. So I, I think that's, I think that's kind of a good rule of thumb. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's one of those things. I think it's tough to say, you know, cause the, the testing is kind of something that's still being worked on. But I, I think you would think at some point in the near future, we put a fucking person on the moon, we could figure <laughs> out how to properly tell how much marijuana is in somebody's system and how long ago they used and all that stuff. Because if they give you a UA, it's going to be in your Mm -hmm. system after eight hours, which I think, you know, a lot of people that have responded to this question so far have been like, well, you know, how the fuck do you tell if it's been in their system and how long it's been in their system and all that shit. So. So it's funny you say that I have a friend that works for a, um, a company around here and, um, if you get into a car accident or you get hurt on the job, they do test. So they'll send you and you have to, you have to go get blood. Okay. Um, or, or pit, I think, I guess it's piss. I don't know. Anyway, I think it's, I think it is piss. either way. I don't know if it's just the lab or the testing they're doing now or whatever, but this is what he told me from experience. They, they are able to tell, is this something that you just took as of like the past hour, or is this something that's been lingering in your system the past eight, 10, 12 hours? They are able to tell that. Okay, so the, the that's what he now. That's better. what he that's okay. what he says. That's what he says. That's how they determine it. Like, hey, weed is legal. If you get into an accident, obviously we're gonna we're gonna piss test you. If it's in your system, you know they don't. It's legal. They don't want to fire you, but they can tell. Hey, this is, you know, hey, he just recently did this. The concentration is really strong. We can tell that he they just recently did this. So yeah, it's it's recent. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Hmm. The next question I have for you, which I kind of think I know the answer, but I've I've been wrong <laughs> before. You don't know me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> would you do it again? Would you all those years ago? Would you have taken the job if you know what you knew then? No, I I wouldn't have, and I know that's a pretty clear answer, but um, I I I wouldn't have. Um, I I either would have gotten directly into the trades, um, because I just well, you know, I mean, I can go off into a tangent about that. I think the trades are dude. For anyone else that's listening, I'm telling you, man, the the trades they're hurting more than ever, and I know police work is too, but they're paying more than ever. They're the 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 money is very very good. Um, they know that they're hurting, so they're offering more training. I mean, you know, they're they're not making you come in with the training. I, I'm I'm a live example of this, so I made a very very good career out of it. Um, so again, no, I I probably would have I probably would have gone directly. You know, I I we've we've got kids working with us i mean they're 20 years old you know what i mean and they're they're just out of school and they're doing this as a, as a career and uh it, it, it pays really really well so i would i would definitely have started out doing this i think so 
you're working now, obviously, mm-hmm. and I know yeah. you're off the job, but yeah, what what are your plans when you retire? What are you looking forward to do when you retire? Um, I kind of go back and forth to two things, actually. Something that's nice for me as someone who likes to travel. Um, I uh, I, w- I would like to have like a permanent residency somewhere where I, it will be out of the state. I promise you I'll be out of Missouri. Um, and it will be somewhere where um, I have some land. Um, I, I'm big into fishing. I love fishing. So it will, I will have some body of water around me, uh, preferably somewhere that's got some like mountains and stuff. Like that's my favorite terrain, um, that, that type of area. Um, I've also kind of wrestled with the fact, you know, and I, I've got some time obviously before I retire, but, you know, I've talked to my wife about, um, you know, selling the house and, and getting a, uh, we have a camper now, but getting one of those big RVs and just touring the beautiful United States. I would love to do that. All right. You want to talk some fishing? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it, man. Okay. So I am, I'm out of control. I just really started <laughs> fishing this year. I yeah. just for everybody else that listens to this podcast knows this, but like I, I fished a little bit in high school. I had no patience. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped and then sure. My brother still fishes. He came out and I was like, fuck it. I'll get my license. And I went out and I can't stop. Uh, we <laughs> it's didn't, an addiction. <laughs> it is. Well, we, I like to fish bass. Like I have no. Yeah, me too. Me okay. Too. I, I have no desire to eat fish, right? I don't fucking care. Okay. Sure. And bass are kind of hardy. They like to get thrown back into the water. It's yeah. Fun. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, and I, I apologize if this bores everybody, but are you a bait caster guy? Or are you a spinning reel guy? Where yeah. Okay. It's funny you say that. Um, I, you know, I, I, I know everyone's getting confused now. I, I was born and raised in California until I was about 12. Uh, I know that's shithole. So um, we ended up moving down to Florida. That's where I really started fishing when I was 12 or 13 down there. Um, I, I met my who's now one of my best friends. I've known him for, you know, 20, 25 years. Um, I, I met him when I moved down there and he's the one that got me into fishing uh, because there's so many, obviously in Florida, so many bodies of water and all that stuff. So uh, he really started teaching me bass fishing. Um, we would do surf fishing on the beach. That's where you just, you know, cast your line in out into the waves and get all kinds of big fish out there, which is a lot of fun, but I am at heart more of a bass fisherman. Cause that's kind of where I started. And um, uh, he, he had bait casters and I, I looked at those things. I'm like, dude, that, what the fuck are you doing? Like just use a spinning reel. And he was like, no man, you, you can use these and you can get a better cast and blah, blah, blah. So I've been fishing on and off for several years. I really got big and I mean, big into it as of this year. I got, I, I mean, I, I got really big into it like you, I got really big into it again this year. Uh, I, we recently, this is another problem. We recently had a bass pro that went up by me and um, I, I, Oh, that place a lot of money. Let's just put it that way. So uh, I I now have two bait casters. I think I have three or four spinning rods and recently uh, have a fly rod. I just went trout fishing for the first time. I've never fly fished, never trout fished. Uh, a buddy that's very good at it took me and it was so amazing. We took my camper out to this uh, stream that's stocked with trout, uh, put the waders on and everything. We went out there. I got a fly rod cast. I caught about 10 trout. We kept five. We brought them back. We uh, battered them up in some Cajun seasoning and had a cookout at the campsite. And it was awesome. It was awesome. All right. Because I'm I'm basically like, I got my fucking spinning rod and I'm like, that's it. Yeah. And like, I was talking to some of my buddies here and they're like, oh no, I got a rod for this reason, a rod for this reason. I'm like, you guys are fucking insane, man. Just fucking throw it out there. The fish aren't that <laughs> smart, you know? <laughs> like, like anything else you can, you know, no pun intended, you can get into the weeds with it. 
But uh, like anything else, you know, I said the same thing. I'm like, what? I don't need 10 rods. Like I just need one rod, you know, to fish and then that's it. And then I started really getting into it. I'm like, well, this rod's a little bit long to handle this rig. Maybe I need something a little bit more sensitive. Then I've got a smaller one. And well, you know, but I need, I need another one. Like what if this line breaks? And then, you know, before I know it, I've got four spinning rods. I've got a fly rod and I've got two bait casters. So it's just, you know, I've got a problem. Like you said, I've, I've got a problem. So. I, I don't know, man, the bait caster looks so complicated and I'm not a smart man that I'm like, I, it, it just like, it looks like too much. You I know. know. And I, I know, it seems like but it's listen, overkill. I thought the same thing and I had a friend help me. I, I know it's silly. I watched some YouTube videos. I had a friend help me and you get a further cast. You get more control. Of the, excuse me. You get more control of the cast and you can get into places that you can't really get into with a spinning reel. And those Listen, I was a spinning reel guy since I was 12. I hadn't touched a bait caster until this year. And I started really getting into it and messing with them and practicing with them. They're my go-to now is the bait caster. So what I would recommend is if you know somebody that has one, go out there and start using it and get it set right and get comfortable with it. Um, if you, you know, if you want to be like me and you just buy everything under the sun and just go buy you one and, and start getting comfortable with it, I promise you'll love it. Okay. Okay. I mean, my... We'll see. We'll see. I we okay. went out today keep me updated, man. I'm curious. Yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. I I don't know if I'm ready to take that plunge, and I apologize if everybody's <laughs> I'm completely not bored yet. with that conversation. But we haven't really talked a ton of fishing on the podcast, and yeah, yeah, bass fishing is just so fun. I, I love know. it. I'm, just, I'm addicted, man. I love it. It's you know, and like to me, it's a lot like golf. Where like, and I like to golf. I haven't I haven't fucking yeah. been golfing in like ten years, but I really enjoyed golf. Because when you're out golfing, you're not thinking about anything else about mm -hmm. anything. You're just thinking yeah. about how shitty you are at golf. <laughs> and that's the same thing as fishing is like, you're not thinking about anything else except for like, fuck, I suck at this. And it, there's a, it's beautiful because it's nice out. Right. It, it just gets you out of the fucking house. You're not, it's yeah. great. I fucking love it. It's, it's it really funny you say that though. A, thing, a go to thing for me. I feel yes. like since I found fishing, I've yes. been a much calmer person. Like it's really like put the Zen in me, you know? I, I think it's so funny you say that because as, as the uh, self-proclaimed angry person, I, I do, I enjoy it so much. Obviously I, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about it, but you know, especially like with golf and fishing, I find reasons to be angry with it. And I, I, and I go out golfing. I'm like, I missed it again. Are you kidding me? Like, and then I'll hit it off into the wood. I'm like, you got to, if I'm fucking 10 balls down, I, my ankles hurt and this and that. And then I'll go out fishing and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get a new uh, lure on there and I'll throw it off. It snaps off and falls in the water. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm five bucks in already. And I haven't even caught a fish. So, if, you know, I just, these, then my bait caster reels up into a bird's nest. And I'm like, maybe it's time to just pack it up and go home today and just call it. So, you know, I, you know, obviously I say that in jest, I, I love it so much. And it, you know, being out, that's, that's where I thrive. I I'm a big hiker. I love the outdoors. I canoe, I, I, um, you know, I fish, I do all that stuff. You know, I've hiked Colorado, I've hiked the Appalachians, I've done all that stuff. So I just thrive being outside and being out in nature and just, uh, and just enjoying that time, man, you know, being on the water. I guess we'll end our fishing conversation and move on to, yeah. <laughs> rookie mistakes what was the oh, dumbest thing you did as a rookie man um i'll tell you one that comes to mind um this is this is something that just immediately came to my mind um you know in the old foot chase this is this is the same call by the way okay this this all happened in the same call um chasing this guy 
running through this neighborhood. I come up to this chain link fence. I hop the fence and I struggle. I get over there, you know, get over the fence, almost break my ankle. It's eight feet tall. And I look back to find my partner. He's, he's walking in the opening. That's three feet past the fence, the gate that's open. (laughs) Yeah. So I've never lived that story down. I still talk to him to this day. He's out as well, but uh, he, I, I haven't lived that down. So we finally find this guy we're looking for. We're all, you know, we're all piled on this guy trying to get under control. Well, more officers, you know how it is. The dog pile, more officers start converging in. Oh, yeah. What do I do? What do I do? I get my pepper spray out and I decide to just go ahead and hose everybody. Everyone's Mm. getting it. So everyone's in the pile. Everyone's in the pile. And I start, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to spray this guy. No, that's not how it works. And I end up, I end up hitting everyone and everyone's choking and gasping and everything like that. And I, I'm just like, oh shit, what did I do? Everyone's dying right now. And, uh, uh, you know, anyway, we end up getting, uh, we end up getting this guy under control, take him back to the station. I think if I remember right, I think everybody that was involved in that got one, I got one free kick to the balls from everybody that uh, I got with the pepper spray when I was back at the station. So uh, kind of served me right. Once I would have loved to give him a kick in the balls. That would have been (laughs) as, as someone, you know, I, 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 man, I, I've been pepper sprayed several times, you know, um, and it is so awful. And to know that I did that to my partners, I felt, I felt so bad, man. I just, yeah. But again, you, you know, you want to talk about rookie mistakes. That's, that's definitely one. So do you have a favorite dead guy story? So you said dead guy. I'm going to tell this story, which is kind of, which is, uh, it's kind of funny. It's, it's somewhat of a dead guy story. We, you know, again, this was, uh, I was a rookie. We got the old call, you know, the old check the welfare. Haven't heard or seen him in a while. He's a hoarder, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and you know what, actually thinking about this, I think I was on field training when this happened and, uh, I get back to, uh, I, I, we, we get to this guy's house and, you know, you see, you see the windows and you start seeing the flies on the windows and that's when you're like, man, okay, he's, he's, he's dead. So we end up, we end up getting in there, open the door and it, this place is disgusting. I mean, just complete hoarder house. It's nasty in there. It smells terrible. It smells like a dead body. And I see the hallway and I see two, two legs on the ground, you know, feet are sticking straight up and. I remember I, I looked back at my field trainer and went, oh, I said, he's gone. He's gone. And right as I said that, I heard, help me, help me, help me. And his legs, his legs start kicking and he's, he's alive. So we get the ambulance over there and that, I don't know, he got, he had, I don't know what happened to him. He probably died right after that because this guy was in terrible shape. But uh, if it was up to me that day, he was dead. But uh, thankfully he started making noise and everything. And we were able to, able to get him on the stretcher and get him some help. So but uh, it certainly smelled like he died in there for sure. So uh, I don't know how people live like that. Like, you know, we've all been to that call, but it's like, how yeah. are you fucking like, I know, I don't know. I don't get I, it. It's uh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's more than you think that are living like that, you know, especially what, what, what makes me say, you know, not to go back to the sad thing, but you know, the older people that are living like that and their family just lets them live like that, you know, no help or nothing like that. And it's just, I don't know. Yep. Just, I don't, I don't understand that, but. you know and and not to go like onto another tangent but like we you know there's all these calls for like you know cops they need reformed and they're Mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. not compassionate and it's like we've seen how you treat the elderly right we've seen how you treat your 
your family member that has mental illness that you're so concerned about now after something has happened, how right. you've ignored them. I mean, I remember I was on this death call and this lady, she'd been in there for like probably a good week, you know, um, it was, it was fucked up. You know, she had a parrot or like some bird and it shit on mm-hmm. her dead body. And, you know, it was, it was fucked up, but a family member comes over, you know, demanding to know what's going on. And right, tell right. Her, she's like, well, I need to go see her. And the, yeah. I don't know why, but the coroner lets her go see her. And, you know, Ugh. so she goes in there, sees how she is and just fucking freaks out, which yeah. we fucking told you so, lady. But this family member lived like a couple apartments down. And yeah. this lady been in her apartment dead for a week. You didn't walk you didn't over think and to go say over there hi and check? to your cousin, you know, yeah. and it's so bizarre. It's, it's very interesting to me, this mm-hmm. weird dynamic where like, Cops are not compassionate enough and blah, blah, blah. And it's, have you been outside? Right. Do you, do you fucking know how you guys treat each other? Where and, does and the burden fall on society at that point? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's yeah. Just... And it's, it's always like, it's always somebody else. It's not me. Yeah. It's somebody else. <laughs> right. No one wants to look yeah. in their heart and see sure. how good of a person they are. You know? Right. Um. With that said, I don't know if you've experienced this. Somebody listening has, has experienced this. You you get the you get the four hundred pound dead guy of natural causes, and the coroner clears for the uh, uh, funeral home to come pick up, and and you're waiting, and the two people that come there they're about ninety pounds soaking wet, and you got to watch them try to lift this four hundred pound guy off the bed and get him down the uh, I don't know the seven flights of stairs, and they're looking at you for help. Uh, I'm not going to pull my back out, but you just get to watch these people try to get this guy in a body bag and take them down all these stairs, which which is terrible. If, if, if some of the family knew how these people tried to get these guys in uh, in these body bags, it's awful. But it's got to be done, right? There's, got, I mean, in, in all seriousness, there's, there there has to be people that do that. And uh, you know, cheers again, to thank, the body snatchers! Thank man. you, you, body fuckers. snatchers! Thank you, body yeah. snatchers! I don't want to do it. Thank you, guys. Which I know so. some people in rural areas are like, wait, y'all get body snatchers? <laughs> well, that, it was all—it was always the funeral home for us that came and did that. So I don't know how it goes in yeah. rural areas. But. Yeah, it, it is. Or I, I, you know, and I hope that happens in rural areas too. But you know, yeah. it is—it's never pretty, man. People, no, you know, it's just not one of those things. Like very few people go gracefully. You know, it's sure. always you know something uh, weird and on the toilet you know, like with shit all the over toilet. <laughs> yeah we've had the toilet yeah. ones we've had the sure. guys jerking off you, you oh you yeah get all of it i mean yeah i went to one this one always stands out to me and I, i'm sure i've talked about it but i went to one where like i don't know the guy made to roll off the bed or something it was in a mm. nursing home and you know the corner was trying to do her thing and the body snatchers weren't there and she's like you know this <laughs> cute little thing and she's like hey can you help move them so i can take a picture and i was like okay so Ugh. and and dead weight's a fucking real thing guys different it's different right it's it's, it's different. different and so i roll this dude he's heavy as shit and of course when i move he fucking gleeks fucking garbage oh. out of his mouth onto my boot and i'm like Ugh. and then i went straight to an off-duty job after that by the way oh. lysol off my foot with dead, dead guy man on my foot dead guy on your foot <laughs> yeah it was great it's terrible uh what is something you wish they would have told you in the academy that you learned the hard way out on the road oh man i guess how much of a sea of paperwork you would be drowning in i mean and it just got i know everyone can relate to this it just got worse 
and worse and worse over the years. I mean, the forms became longer and, you know, it got to the point to where you'd handle a call and you'd have to go back and, you know, you know, at the busier department that I worked in, when I worked at St. Louis County, we were so busy. What you, we had to do was, I mean, you, you had calls just stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked. So you'd have to handle a call. And then if you had, if you had a second, you know, you try to pull off and try to just start that report and get it started, then you'd get the other one and you go handle that. And then, I mean, it was terrible. You work a 10 hour shift or 10, 12 hour shift in a really busy precinct. Um, and you know, you're ready to go home. Well, you got, you got six or seven, eight reports hanging out there. So, and you know, you try to get a couple done and you got to come in early the next day and try to get them done. I mean, it was just, it was really tough, but, um, a lot of paperwork. I, I, I wish I was more prepared for that. So, yeah, that is, you know, that's the one thing where, you know, guys come in and they think it's just all running and gunning and shit. And, mm-hmm. you know, most you're make you're documenting a lot of fucking shit. Right. And some of it is very fucking stupid. Right. Exactly. Did you ever see The Wire? You know, I didn't. I've heard it's fucking great. And I just I'm a poor, <laughs> so I don't have HBO. So funny you say that. I didn't either. But if you talk to anybody that has seen The Wire, I haven't seen it either, but I heard it's very good. Um, but I've heard that it's a really, really, really good show. Very accurate because a lot of it is boring because a lot of what they're doing is like, you know, it's it's not like the shield. You know what I mean? Like they're they're doing the paperwork and they show the process of that and they they go through all that stuff. And I I just feel like that that's that's so accurate, you know, and uh, I don't know if you've ever had ride alongs with you, but I've had friends ride along with me and stuff and they're like, oh, where are we going now? Are we going to a ship? No, nope, we're going to go back and try to get this report started. And they're like, ah, you know, and you go back to the station with them while you're sitting there trying to concentrate on your report. So I always thought there was like the curse of the writer and it's not going to be what you think. Whenever I had a writer, nothing happened. Oh, yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah. Like I had this gal that was on my hockey team and she's like so interested in coming out. She wanted to see mm-hmm. how it was. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. And I got you know, the, the Sarge was really cool and let me be a, a free unit. So I wasn't tied to the radio. I yeah. Could do yeah. That's I nice. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing, dude. And I was, I told her, I was like, I swear it is never like this. Never. That's when you get in trouble. Cause you start looking for stuff and then you really get into yourself into some shit and you're like, man, you know, I wish I never would have found this tonight. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I showed her some street, some street walkers and stuff and she thought it was cool, but it was like, I wish I could have shown her something cool. Yeah. Although when my dad came out and rode with me, we had a pretty busy shift. So that was one, but for the most part, right. whenever people came out and raid rode, it was nothing. Uh, I, uh, I got into a pursuit okay. with a buddy of mine that was riding with me and we got into a pursuit and he, I, I'm pretty sure he shit the passenger side of the police car. So, I mean, it was, I mean, we were doing, you know, 120, 130 wrong side of the highway going into Illinois. You know what I mean? It was, it was bad. And, uh, I mean, he was glued to the seat and he's, you know, afterward, Hey man, thanks. Had a good time. Okay. You know, you know, never, never wanted to do another ride along again. So, but Hey, some people would kill for that experience, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What's the, uh, what's the proudest moment of your policing career? Um, I, I think I spoke on it a little bit earlier. I was able to, um, I'll kind of go into the story a little bit. I was, uh, I was, it was midnights. I was working midnights. It was early in the morning. I was, I was close to getting off the shift. I think it was about five, five thirty in the morning and I had my windows down. I was sitting in a uh, shopping center and, um, in front of this shopping center was busy road. 
And then a, uh, on the other side of that was a grocery store and I had my windows down and I heard, I heard nine or 10, what sounded like shots. And this was, I think this was like March or something like that. And I went, there's no way that's fireworks. And it was coming from a shopping center and it was, you know, five 30 in the morning. I'm like, man, something's wrong. So I, I haul ass over to that, that, that grocery store where I heard the shots and I see a, 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 there's no cars. It's too early. I see like almost no cars in this parking lot except for a van and the headlights come on and he, he's coming right towards my patrol car and he floors it right towards my patrol car. And then he swerves at the last second. And at that time, when that was happening, I looked over by the front door of this grocery store and I saw a woman collapse and I pieced it together that he had just shot her. And in my head, I said, I was the only officer there. I called it out. I knew help wasn't too far away, but I had two options. Do you go after him or you save her? And I made the decision. I, 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 I don't think I was able, if I remember correctly, I don't think I was able to get the plate. I got a description of the vehicle, which way he was going. Um, you know, not a lot of cars on the road at that time. Um, so I gave the description out and I ran over to her. She, uh, that was her estranged husband. He shot her nine times. Oh shit. And, um, I was, I was able to get to her. I had a partner that showed up. Uh, I was able to cut her shirt off and I ripped my, uh, medical kit off of the front seat of my patrol car. And I was able to open up the quick clot. And, uh, you know, I was just, man, it was, it was really bad because, you know, she's just, she's looking at you, just struggling for her life. She was shot, you know, all in the chest. And, uh, I just, you know, I, I reassured her. I told her it was going to be okay. And, um, I, you know, I sprinkled the quick clot on her, um, and was able to, you know, get it in all the wounds. I think we did one or two packs, started packing the gauze on there and everything. Ambulance finally came and showed up and they were able to take her to the hospital and she survived. Uh, he ended up, uh, driving down the highway to the next, uh, exit and he got off and parked down the street and he killed himself. And, um, as terrible as it sounds that, that was kind of reassuring to me, you know what I mean? That his plan didn't work out, that she yeah. survived and that he didn't. And I've been friends with her for many years now after that incident has happened. And, uh, speaking of which, you know, um, when he shot her, one of those bullets, like, I don't, I, again, it's just, it really is a miracle of God that she didn't die. He, he shot her nine times in the chest and one of those rounds exploded her aorta. They were able to get her to the hospital and, and save her. And not only that, they, they rebuilt, it's amazing. They rebuilt her aorta. Like, like she's got like part of like a plastic fake, like aorta. And she's, she's up, she moves around, she gets around fine. You know, she has, sometimes she has some pain, like you know, she was shot in the wrist too, I think. And sometimes she has some pain there and in her shoulder and stuff, but uh, you know, she's got kids, she's got grandkids and it's just, it's so awesome to see her thrive and just, you know, and every year she, I talked to her all the time, but every year on the anniversary, she usually messages me and says, you know, I, 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 you know, I can't thank you enough that I'm still here with my family and, and, uh, you know, you're the reason I'm here and her family thanks me. And, uh, it's just, I needed that. You know what I mean? Like after everything that I, I had been through and seeing everything, that was just a, a, it was just a win that I needed. And, um, I think that that that's probably my proudest moment. You know, I've I've assisted in, in saving, helping save lives of other people and everything. But that that instance, that call, that situation, I was the only one there initially. And 
I heard the shots and all that stuff. I mean, everything worked out perfectly as far as the timing. We were able to save her life and just to see her every day, you know, just surviving and, and living a great life is just uh, very rewarding. So, I mean, and I got to say, it, it, it was dumb luck. You just happened to be in that parking lot. I, sure. I don't think she'd be there today if you weren't there. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and as silly as it sounds, you know, I think a lot of people agree. A lot of police work is dumb luck. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. that, uh, you know, that that day. Yeah, I was I was ending my shift. I was I was working on uh, some paperwork and I, I it was a nice morning out. I had my windows down and um, yeah, I just, you know, normally I would shrug that that stuff off like, I don't know, but it was just so those shots were so consecutive and there was nine of them. And I'm like, man, that was gunshots. And when I raced over there, she was, you know, he was leaving and uh, she had collapsed. So, but again, per, it was, it was just, it was really good timing. And I'm, I'm thankful that I was there at that time. And it's just, like I said, it's just so, so awesome just seeing her thrive and, and being able to enjoy her grandkids. Her daughter just got married and one of her daughters. Um, so it's, it's awesome. It's great. You know, and it's, I don't know if this is the right word because I'm not, um, I'm not articulate, but the duality <laughs> of it, right? Sure. We're like, we're talking about like, ah, you know, I wish I never did it and I wish I would have yeah. gone to the trades. But if, yeah. if you did, yeah, he might not be here, you know? That, that and is a very good point. Yep. I, you know, it's a, and it's really easy to like kind of get in your head about like, yes, the things that have done or that you've done. And if you went this way instead of that way, what yeah. would have happened? And you just don't know, you know, like yeah. we, we all just don't know. There's a, there's some uncertainties and, and some people would argue with me on that and that there, maybe there is, but I don't know. Yeah. But you just, you just don't know. And yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, like what if, you know, <laughs> you know, the chances of you being born are, mm -hmm. are a miracle in itself, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, the, you know, the, the, the chances that I would have started a stupid fucking meme page five years ago out of boredom that's mm -hmm. turned into whatever this is now that I, sure. you know, we could talk about this. You know, there's just all those things had to happen in order for this moment to happen. And right. And it, and I think it also goes to and you admitted it earlier, but, you know, we do we need people doing the job. Yeah, we need people we for that. That's why we're here. You know, like mm -hmm. that is the pinnacle of why anybody would want to be a cop yeah is for something like that so right yeah i'm glad you were there absolutely man. right yeah no i i am too and i know she is and her family is and it's just uh like i said it's just it's it's so rewarding like it, it really does you know i know it sounds cliche it really does make up for a lot of the bullshit is that i i i had that moment with her and that you know i i can see her just thriving now and that you know i have that like i said man if we would have lost her, it would have been, uh, we would have been having a different conversation. It would be very tough for me. So. To, to completely change where we're at. Mm -hmm. uh, so you worked a lot of overnights. Are you familiar yeah. with coast to coast? Uh, is that the, um, is that, what's his name that does that? Are you talking about the radio show? The radio show where he, you know, has the aliens and all the other yeah, shit yeah. What's the, I, I know here talking. His name's escaping me right now. Yeah, um, I can't think of the dude's name either. Yeah, but so I, I ask people just as George kind of Nori. A, Is it George Nori? I think so. I think you're right. Something like that. Sally, Sammy, Slapsy, Slippy, Samson. Slappy, Samsonite. Yeah. <laughs> Way off. Way um, I, as kind of a tribute to that, because I feel like if you've worked late nights, you fucking mm -hmm. listen to that radio show. 
Sure. I ask everybody nowadays, yeah. do you have any ghost or alien encounters or stories you'd like to tell the millions of listeners? Uh, now, let me ask this. Are you talking about being involved on duty or off duty? Oh, anytime. Okay. Anytime. Um, I'll try to make this short as I can. Um, so um, there is a show on TV. It's called Ghost Adventures, and it's corny as shit. But it's, it's you know, it's something me and my wife like to watch. Uh, a guy named Zach Baggins kind of heads it up, um, and he's he's corny as shit. He's, he's kind of a douche, but... It's just such a comforting show. We like to go in and watch them do these, uh, you know, these ghost hunter things and all that. It's just so funny. Anyway, he's got a kick-ass museum in Vegas. Okay. So he's got a museum in Vegas um, where he's got serial killer um, memorabilia. Um, I mean, he's got uh, John Wayne Gacy's glasses and he's got um, Charles Manson's jumpsuit and he's got all this stuff. And it's just room after room. He's got uh, Kevorkian's um, uh, van that he killed people in. All this shit. And I'm always somebody that watched that stuff in jest. And because we were fans of the show and just my wife and I thought it was so silly. We're like, dude, the, uh, let's go see the museum. Like, that'd be fun. It'd be really cool. And he's got haunted, possessed dolls in there. And he's got all kinds of stuff like that. And we went into it very, you know, kind of silly, like. And you, you get in there and I, I didn't know what to expect, but he plays this video. There's this video that plays before you go in there. And it's, it's like the serious video. And it's like, Hey, now, now again, whether you believe it or not, I don't know, but he, he plays this video and he's like, Hey, like this is serious shit. Like weird shit has happened in this museum. There's all kinds of haunted artifacts in here, dolls, serial killer shit, books. Uh, I mean, cauldrons that people have cooked dead bodies. I mean, all this shit. And you're like, okay. So he said a lot of weird shit has happened in this in this museum, and uh, sometimes people randomly pass out. Sometimes people see shit or whatever. So we have cameras all over this museum. So if you see something or something happens or whatever, let us know, and we'll be able to you know go back and make sure it's on footage or whatever. And me and my wife are like, all right, buddy. So we go through this thing anyway. There's there's a room we get to. It's called the Divic Box. And if you don't know what the Divic box is, um, look it up sometime. It's a, I don't know, the best way to describe it is um, it's a its a piece of Jewish culture, I guess you could say. And it's a, um, it's a little wooden cabinet. And I think you open it up and it's got like wine glasses and stuff in it. Anyway, it's extremely supposedly possessed and haunted to the point where he felt the need. He puts it in this room. It's the box is covered in glass. There is salt around the glass. And he has a Jewish prayer carved into the walls around this room and a Jewish prayer chanting over a speaker. That's how apparently haunted this box is. And we get in this, we get in this room and I'm looking at it. It's, it's really, this is cool. Wow, you know, it's creepy and blah, blah, blah. And at that point, there's two orbs of light that shoot from the ground across across my feet and out the other wall. And that's, if you watch his show, that's one of the big things. Me and my wife made fun of him for years about it. Like, oh, look at, you know, let's go back and look at this footage. Look at this orb. You can see this orb floating. And I'm, I'm always like, orb? It's a fucking piece of dust. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a moth. You know what I mean? Because they're, you know, they're always, we're always trying to debunk this shit. I know what I saw. 
as a non-believer, I know what I saw. Um, I regretfully never said anything because I felt so stupid. I told my wife and she's like, holy shit, did you really? And I'm like, yeah, so I saw this. And she goes, see, see, you didn't believe. And look, look, look what happened. Was and, she in the room uh, with you? She was in the room with me, but she was like looking up at like the, uh, like the carvings in the wall and stuff like that. And I, I happened to glance down and I saw it shoot from one wall over my feet in a very, I don't know, um, baseball sized orbs of light. And which I hate, even the fact that I'm saying this out loud, is just, it's, <laughs> it, it, it bothers me. It fucking bothers me because I'm like, you idiot, you didn't see, it. but I, I know what I saw. And, you know, I, I was a huge non-believer, um, with that stuff you know we just like i said we watched the show to make fun of it and like fall asleep to it it was so silly and you know um but man i i saw that and i regretfully i never said anything to him or not to him he wasn't there but i never said anything to the staff because i felt so stupid um saying anything but i i really wish i would have um you know and, and maybe you would have proof or we would have proof and they'd send me a dvd of it or something i don't know but uh, yeah, that was that was my experience. So it was very it was very crazy, very eye opening for me. See, and, and I wouldn't say I'm a non believer, but like I'm a I'm cynical of that stuff, you know. And I'm like, yeah, well, of course. Well, it it was probably some it's probably some fucking timer they have set off that goes off every fifteen minutes I know. to fuck with people, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and I thought that too. And and you know maybe it is the case. You know, here's the deal: he's got a show on that does very well on Discovery Channel. Okay, he's he's had it for years. It does very well. So maybe that is the case. But I also feel like like this museum that he has, um, it's called Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. Look it up sometime. Like it's it's really if you're ever in Vegas or you're in the Vegas area, go check this place out. It's it's fucking cool. You won't regret it if you're into that sort of thing. Um, it's it 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 takes out like two or three hours to go through this thing. And I mean it's just like I said, haunted dolls, uh serial killer stuff, you know, I mean, just any books, uh, you know, witchcraft book. I mean, it's just all kinds of crazy stuff. But, um, you know, I, I just feel like the stuff that he has in there is creepy enough. He doesn't need to do any of that stuff. It's in like an old house. You know what I mean? Like an old house that he bought and he set all this stuff up in the old house. There's no reason to shoot orbs of light across. There's no reason to do any of this silly shit that someone can debunk. Like he's just like, hey, man, this this is just weird shit. And whatever happens here, it happens. So uh, but it's super cool. It was it was crazy. That was a pretty good story, man. And yeah, that might be, yeah. It might be on a lot of people's radar now because I'd never even heard of that place. Yeah, check it out, man. I'm telling you, I only went to Vegas one time. Uh, I had a great time, and that's something that if you go, I'm, I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. It was uh, badass. So now it's time for a very important question. Yeah. What is the best patrol car of all time? Oh, man. Okay, um, I know I know you can't see me. I'm I'm uh, I'm six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. Um, okay. So I'm a I'm a big feller. I'm I'm for for those listening. I'm tall. I work out. I don't mean big, wide. I I am I'm in shape. I work out all the time. But I'm just I'm a big guy. So uh, my personal preference is I always love the Tahoes. I love the big. Oh. Okay, what what's the right answer? Let me ask. What's the right Crown answer? Vic is the right Crown answer. Vic. Of course it is. Crown Vic. <laughs> now, I did I did have a take home crown. I we had take home cars in uh in county and I did have a take home Crown Vic. And you know what? I love that thing. My only my only gripe is and I don't know if anyone else can experience, you know, experiences this based off where they live. Uh we get a lot of snow and ice here in Missouri and those things handle like shit. And the snow and ice, terrible, 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 terrible. 
the the Tahoes at least had four wheel drive, you know, and they were they were really nice. So, and and like I said, very roomy. But man, the bodies that you could fit in the trunk of those Crown Figs, man. I mean, they were huge. They were huge. Very roomy. I, I did like my Crown Fig a lot. That thing was awesome. Now here's the moment of truth, and mm-hmm. you being new to the podcast, you may not know what's about to happen. Okay. Uh, I'm about humanizing a lot of things, uh, policing, uh, Crown Vicks, all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff. But (laughs) here's the deal. Um, There's one thing I'm very passionate about, and it's trying to determine if people tell the truth and and if people are liars. And (laughs) a good way to determine that is asking him this very simple question. Have you shit your pants as an adult? Yes. So you were telling the truth. We officially know that everything he said is yes. true. Do you have a good shitting your pants story for all of us? Yeah, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll listen. Some people might know me if they listen to this podcast, but listen, most of you don't, so you can't see my face, so it's not hurting my feelings. I'm, I've, I've been an open book so far, so um, I will say this: this happened. Uh, I was I was probably 21 years old. Um, I went. <laughs> that wasn't me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I went to I went to Chili's with this girl I was dating at the time and her family. And uh, afterwards, you know, we were going to meet back at, at her place and you know with her folks and everything. Uh, as soon as we got done, I'm like, boy, you know, the bubble got started. You know, oh, man. And I, I ended up texting her and I'm like, hey, listen, I'll meet you at your house in a little bit. Like, I got to And everyone knows that even. It's worse when you're, it, thankfully it hasn't happened when I was a cop because you got the belt keepers on and everything. And you're like, oh boy. I mean, you can feel like it just takes 10 minutes to get that shit off. And uh, anyway, I was, I was headed back to my house and it's just, it's just bubbling and bubbling and bubbling to the point, <laughs> to the point, maybe somebody can relate. I get into my neighborhood. And at that point, once you get that close, it's, it's about, I mean, it's the anticipation is built so much and you got to go so bad that I I don't even know how I drove like this. My ass was off the seat. I was using the door as a rest. My ass is off the seat. Cheeks are clenched. I'm pressing the gas pedal. And I'm just like, and I'm, I'm literally holding my asshole, holding everything back. And I'm like, I, I, I cannot shit in my car. And I literally pulled up to my house and it just all, it just all came out to the point where, to the point, there's a point when you're shitting yourself, there's a I can't believe we're, this is, I didn't know that it was going to go this way, but here we are. There's a point when you're shitting yourself, the first second or two, you're like, oh no. And then you realize in your head, it's already happening and just let it go, man. There's, it can't get any worse. Just let it go. And you just, you go from, oh no. Oh, and it just, it just all comes out and that's what happened. And um, thankfully it, I think most of it stayed in my shorts. I uh, was able to run inside. I think I had to. Pretty sure I threw those shorts away, threw the threw the undies away. I don't think any got in my boots or anything. My my uh, shoes I was wearing, and uh, you just you just got to hop in the shower, rinse the day off, and start over at that point. Uh, and that's that's what I did. So <laughs> change clothes and met her at her house like nothing happened. So <laughs> I uh, I don't know if I've told this one on the podcast, and forgive me if I have, but. I there's a, a restaurant in the Denver metro area called Gunther Tootie's, which is like a, a 50s style diner. Mm-hmm. And now we all went there. It was like a double date, had a really good time. But 
we go over to her friend's house afterwards and we're still kind of like high school age. So it's like her parents house, right. you know, and I have to take, I, I feel it coming and I know this is like <laughs> the worst shit I'm going to take in my life, but I'm, I was like such an awkward teenager that I didn't want to fucking shit in their house. Like, I don't know right. why I couldn't just be like, Hey, where's your bathroom? Because you'd I, have a dumb and dumber moment, right? That's what you were worried right. about. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And so like, I didn't, you know, I don't know if I didn't want this girl to know I fucking shit or whatever. So, and I God, poop. I hope that I, I tried to look her up because I want to like tell her about the story because she told me afterwards. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Because I was so fucking weird about it. Like, I don't know if she thought I was going, like, I just, I was like, hey, I got to go. I'll be right back with like no explanation. Right. right? Which is way worse, way worse than fucking blowing it up. You know, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I run to this gas station and I just fucking annihilate it. I mean, it was <laughs> one of the worst shits I've ever taken in my life. And I'm like, okay, cool. I get back to the house. I pull up and I feel the bubble guts again. I'm like, no. Oh, round not two. Fucking round, round two. two. <laughs> so I fucking, I'm like, hey, I'll be right back again. And I turn around, and I go there. And then, you know, then I had to go back home and she was like, what I don't know what the fucking deal with with you, and I couldn't even tell her that I had to go take a shit because I was such a fucking weirdo. Yeah, and we ended up breaking up. I think partly because of that. Now she just said, "I have a drug problem." That's what it. That probably would have been think better that's off. Probably what she thought. I don't know. Um, but what's what's kind of my favorite part of the story because it it has a uh, has kind of a fun end. And again, apologies if I've told the story, but you'll be okay. I. Later down the road, we kind of reconnected like a couple of years later. Right. And we agreed to meet somewhere or whatever. And that hadn't come up, but she, you know, she was talking about like, oh, my mom's birthday is coming up and I'm going to buy her this. And mm-hmm. like, oh, that's cool. And she's like, so when's your mom's birthday? And I said, I know it's in October. And she's like, wait, you don't know your mom's birthday? And I'm like, well, my dad usually <laughs> reminds me. And she's like, I could just see her face like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, he doesn't know his own mother's birthday. He doesn't know his own mother's birthday. Yeah. I am a piece of shit and I am very sorry, mom. Did you know very it sorry. and just blank at that point? Or did you no, legitimately I just, not know your I got to be honest with you. I still don't remember it sometimes. <laughs> I don't. I'm yeah. not good with birthdays. I'm just not. Right. Like I gotta register the kids for soon for school soon, and yeah. they gotta go so I could fucking make sure I get it right. <laughs> You're like, hey, what's your birthday again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's February, yeah. blah blah blah. Like I, I've, I've never forgotten, you know, my wife's. Um, right. But I just, I'm not good with birthdays, man. I'm just, yeah. I never have been. Like my dad's birthday, I don't fucking know when that is either. Which it's is in you know, April it's, sometime, it's, and I it's know funny. it's here. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. I was saying it's it's funny you say that because I I I just have a bad memory period to the point where it's so bad where my wife's like, how are you a cop? How are you? Like, you know, and I just think of all the thousands of IDs I've seen and birthdays and this and that. And I just, you know, I, I guess you just push so much stuff out that I'm just, you know, I I don't know. But it's I don't know. It was funny to me that you said I'm bad with birthdays. And I'm like, well, you know, it, Everyone thinks that cops should have really good memories. You know, don't you remember that guy that stole this 10 years ago from that store or whatever? And, you know, of course you don't. So, you know, but but you always found that like there was always that one guy that was like brain man that could remember everything. (laughs) Right. Every department at least has one of those guys that just fucking knows everybody, knows where they live. And it's just like, how the fuck do you retain all this? Like, I don't remember what I ate for breakfast. I know, like, I've gotten to the point where. 
most nights before I go to bed, like I like what I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do. Once we get done with this, I'm going to sit down as this thing downloads and make my list for tomorrow. <clears throat> if right. I don't fucking make a list, it's not yeah. going to happen. I'm a and I know there's too. I'll, yeah. I'll sit down. I'll sit mm-hmm. down and start something on my list and realize I've wasted an hour doing something else and I haven't even started this thing. And I'm like, fuck, I'm just so, right. but you know, everybody's like, Oh, I'm ADHD and whatever. I think everybody is to an extent, Sure, you know, yeah, everybody is. It's part of being human. You're, you fucking have a brain. There's only so much you can put into it. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, dude, we've, uh, we've come to the conclusion of this very poorly made podcast (laughs) you have any do you have any words of wisdom before we get to the happy ending uh this you know again that kind of inspired me uh you know the the guy that the guy that won the police officer of the show or whatever you know it's uh, you know you know felt like he wanted to quit he keeps fighting the fight and you know you said it best earlier we need that we need those people um i know i shit on a lot of things tonight but um you know we, we do need those people and i'm i'm I love people like that that can still be out there and, and do this uh, thankless job. It's it's so tough. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll pass the torch one day and someone else will come in and they they got to fight the fight. And it's just just this line, this torch that we got to keep passing down. So, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm thankful for that. So, um, I don't know, last words, just keep your head on a swivel, be safe, um, you know, just just be careful out there, man. It's I know that's cliche. It's just it's it's getting worse and worse. So. Now we've come to the happy ending in the podcast, which I've been kind of joking about. I don't know why it came up a couple podcasts ago, the happy ending. And huh. I this might not stick, but I have an idea for a happy ending. If you've listened to the last episode, you my know pants something. are still off, by the way. So this this might nice. Be this good. is perfect. So. I'll finish you okay. off. <laughs> so this is going to be a new tradition, maybe, unless people don't think it's funny, which I'm doing a lot of these like kind of early because I got some shit going on in the end of August. So you might hate it for a little bit. I'll fix it if you hate it, but it might just be a minute. <laughs> but this is going to be our happy ending. Bukaki semen did her in the ass. With that said. Remember, take care of the fine, fine sponsors of the podcast. Because without them, I couldn't do this and tell you about all these fine things. And uh, make sure you guys are taking care of one of another, one and another. You know, there's always GoFundMe's. There's always hats being tossed around. Fucking make sure you're helping everybody out. Go check out my merch, Ghost Patch, uh, my spring store with T-shirts and mugs and all that good shit. With that said, remember, sometimes... Our cups are different sizes in multiple ways. I love most of you. Bye-bye. Very proud that I made a dick joke and a serious joke at the same time. Very proud of that.